What's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Ask PJ Braun here at Blackstone Labs. And we are bringing to you a special episode today here with our longtime friend, Stephanie, who is going to be talking to us a little bit about something that her and PJ have uh, recently started to get working on a new project. And um, we're going to get into a couple of the details that we're going to share so far. Not everything will be revealed right away, but we figured what better way than the weekly podcast to kick things off and see how everything is going to roll on from here. Yeah. So for those of you who are listening in that haven't been paying attention to the stuff I put out, <clears throat> I have Stephanie Scara here, the ab chick, as many of you know her. <clears throat> and so Stephanie was a uh, Blackstone athlete at one point, actually for a while. And um, went off and started focusing on, on her business and whatnot, and is not currently a Blackstone athlete, but we remained in touch the whole time because she uh, was interested in my coaching, and I actually was always interested in coaching her. So I told her that I would really like to work with her this year because I feel that she has an incredible amount of potential, uh, even more so now today, actually, after we trained and I got to see her pose in person today I feel even more confident in her abilities but I wanted to bring her on the show because Steph has a very very big and devoted following of female fitness enthusiasts and so I figured that there's a lot of people that would like to hear what she has to say and and where she's at and what she's got going on and maybe those of you who don't know who she is would be very interested in her after this podcast so Steph welcome hi thank you for having me so we go back to when did we actually officially start? I, I think you were doing demos in the beginning, right? Yeah, I started off living when I was in Chicago, and I started with demos. I had my friend Ramel who saw a poster saying, "Oh, you know, like applying for demos here in Chicago," and I was like, "Oh, cool!" Like, and I had just got started in like the fitness industry, and I was like, "Okay, cool!" Like, they're looking for uh, like athletes to like do demos. This is a good way for me to get started and. That's where it started. Now, I remember back at the time that uh, the, the old uh, head of the Sal, uh, the old head of the program, <laughs> Salvina. No, so the old head of the program, Salvina, actually had said that you were uh, the best demo rep at the time. Like she had actually said, this girl is the best demo rep we have. We should use her for more demos. So I think we actually did do more demos with you than most of the people uh, back then. Yeah, I think it's, it was because I like. I traveled. I didn't have a car, so I would travel out in like public transportation to all of my demo areas, and those were actually far because they were in like the suburbs. So I lived in the city of Chicago, and then I would get back from like doing my master's program that I was doing, and I would like travel out, get on like the L, like the subway, and then travel all the way out there, do my little demos, and get back. And it was it was fun. So how much travel time were you putting into for these demos? Oh. Good, like two hours or wow, so. Wow, really? Just to I didn't travel know that. There. Yeah, it was. So you're taking like train rides for hours to go do demos? Yeah, Holy and bus shit. rides. How so, about that? And bus rides? Yeah, there's times I'd do like connections between like the train rides and then the bus rides, and then yeah. So. I feel like you got to be the only person that um, that's done <laughs> that that I know of for this company. Have you ever heard anybody saying anything like that? No. Yeah, I didn't know we were doing stuff like that back in the day. Whenever we have to do a demo, all the guys in the call center act like we're asking them to walk over like yeah. a tightrope <laughs> over some fire or something like that. They would definitely they're like, I gotta. Drive my car <laughs> three minutes from here Fuck. on a Saturday. 
Oh no, I'm not doing it Sunday too. You gotta be no. fucking kidding. No way. Make Brett do it. It's it's like we'll have a demo and I'll be like, yo, I need a demo this Saturday for like a half an hour at this gym that's ten minutes away. And it's it's kind of like a oh, alright, let's see which one of the guys is like willing to do it. And it's usually like they draw straws. Like yeah. it's it's not like it's like there's no one's ever like, I wanna do it. Um so that's a pretty funny thing that I actually didn't, didn't even know that I learned today. Every now and again, one of them will have like an ulterior motive as to why they want to go and do it for any specific reason. But other than that, it's usually drawn straws. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> so before the demo program, let's go all the way back to the beginning. So you're you have a very athletic shape to you. So let's let's I want to know like how your actual fitness journey, as we call it, started. Like let's go back to the very beginning. Try to speak a little closer to the mic too. Oh, sorry. So it started off, I mean, I've always been an athletic person. I did a lot of sports growing up. Um, back in high school, I did pretty much everything under the moon. I did track, cross country, golf. Golf? I did golf. I was terrible at it. There was three of us, and <laughs> we all got an Tiger award. Woods over here. Like, you probably look cute in a little golf outfit, though. I like those little golf outfits, the shoes and shit. I like that. It was fun. Um, did, I think that was Pretty much, and then I did flag football, and then I did swimming, and then diving for a little bit. But it was one of those things that I did them all. I was pretty good with like my sports team, but once we got out, like I was terrible at. So like compared to other schools, like our schools didn't really have that good of training for us. So your school's teams oh, were, yeah. were not that good. No, I was always like the second or second best girl or third or fourth and then yeah once we like outreached like other teams and we went against them i was just kind of like mediocre at best no so it was still fun i enjoyed doing all that sports so your natural talent basically outgrew the ability of the teachings of the the people at your school correct got you yeah so and then it wasn't and then after i was done with high school i kept running um because i was big on cross country and track and when i was 16 right before Obviously, I graduated from high school. I did. I started my weight training program where my friend Devin was just, like, begging me to go and go. And, like, I was like, okay, cool. And I just kind of fell in love with it. Um, so, 16 is when you started with weights. Yeah. But yes. you were doing mostly running first. Yeah. So, it, I was kind of crazy back then. So, I'd do my, like, cross-country, like, runs where, like, maybe, like, five miles. Then I would go home, run to the gym, which was, like, a mile and a half away, get there, do, I don't know, some kind of hit cardio on the bike okay so you really do, were doing a lot of cardio yeah and then i would do my weight training i would always start out with like abs okay and then i think that's where my, my ab development really came in through and that's where I, like when i was 16 i had my abs um very rare yeah to see a girl that young with abs <laughs> so, unless they're a gymnast their whole life yeah no, or a swimmer did did you um when you were really young did you do any sports, or was it just in high school? I did swimming when I was growing uh, up. That probably had a lot to do with it, because you just use so much of your core if you're yeah. swimming. You know? yeah. So but would you would you say that you did swimming the most out of everything? Um, no. I just kind of – I don't know. I honestly – like, I did swimming when I was growing up, but it was just, like, a whatever kind of – like, mm. I remember my parents would take me, like, back when I lived in Venezuela. Um, that was, like, my main sport. And then once I got here, I think it was mostly, like, running. So – I'm glad that you said that uh, in Venezuela. You were born in Colombia. I was. So my parents are both Cuban, mm -hmm. trying to get out of Cuba. They travel all through Europe. Well, my mom was pregnant with me, and then we ended up in Colombia. I was born there. We lived there for six months and then moved to Venezuela, lived there for 10 years. And then when things got crappy there, we moved here. So let's <laughs> get this straight here. Your parents are Cuban. Yes. 
Cuban citizens. Yes. And they left Cuba to go to Colombia. They wanted to get here. Their end goal was to get here, okay. but they just kind of made pit stops. So they stopped. <laughs> yeah. Let's go see what Escobar is doing down there. And we heard America's cool, but let's just, you know, see if it's not that bad over here. Here, No, no, this sucks. This sucks. Not fucking. Let's go to America. We were supposed to go see Escobar's house when we were down there, and we didn't have time to do it. I was kind of bummed out. So Damn. I was born in the hospital that Escobar made. Really? Yeah. That's so. a cool little fact. See, look, without him, what would we be doing right now? Right? Jesus. In, in Colombia, I'm sure that I had different things offered to me. Than what Stephanie had offered to her, I'm just gonna assume, you don't know assume that. that you don't know. But that. in Colombia, so the 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 driver of the car that I was in let me know within minutes of meeting me Does that he could get me pretty much anything that I wanted. He could get me cocaine, marijuana. You can even buy joints that are already ready to go. I found out. Definitely don't smoke those ever if you go there. You have no idea what the fuck they put in those. No, don't I, smoke I, those. I, I passed on all that, but I did have a question for him. And I you want to roll your own, do your thing, but <laughs> that's dangerous. I've asked this question in pretty much every country that I've gone to, and you can use it, use this bit of information in any way you want. I said I'm not interested in any of those things that you've offered me. Thank you. However, can you get GHB? And just like every other country that I've gone to, you had no idea what it is. What? <laughs> no idea what it is. What'd you call it? Uh, he did let me, he, he made some calls and then let me know that he could get really good cocaine. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't find that really good sleepy juice, but I can find some really good stay awake rocks. Like, uh, so that's always been my question whenever I go out of, out of the country. No one ever knows what it is. So that's fucking weird. It's really weird. Yeah. That's so strange. And then we found out at the pharmacy, right? Mm. So we went to the pharmacy. Do we want to go right into the Columbia stuff right now? Let's 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 take a, a, a pause. A pause. On it. <laughs> Maybe we should travel further down the road before yeah, we get before to that we get into the activities that were legal there. Um, so, <laughs> your parents Cuban. Now, they they were born in Cuba. Yes. So they were born in Cuba. So they are Cubans. Yes. Like if I met your dad, you know, and I was like, you grew up in Cuba. Now you're you're in the United States. Mm -hmm. Do you consider yourself Cuban, Colombian, American? What would he say? I'd probably say American. Mm -hmm. He's very proud. So he's a proud American. <laughs> so he went from Cuba to Colombia, but you were not in Colombia that long. No, just six months. Then when did you get to Venezuela? Six months after. So six born. months later, went to Venezuela. Mm -hmm. Was it crazy in Venezuela when you were? Was that going on yet? All the craziness in Venezuela. So it was getting there. So before we let we, whenever Chavez got. Um, became president i think we stayed for his first term and it, everything started going downhill from there my dad kind of recognized it he was like okay uh, this stuff is going exactly how cuba was going down mm -hmm. so we need to get our bags and just go so it was a fun trip getting over here yeah tell us about that i actually know this already but this is a cool story yeah so we pretty much packed our bags my dad he had like a little fish factory that he owned and he sold everything pretty much had just a rolex in his arm and uh, i don't know even not that much cash on him. And then we went through Mexico. Okay, so we flew into Panama. Then we went connected in Mexico. We went to Monterey. Um, drove 12 hours to – no, we flew into the capital. We drove 12 hours to Monterey. And then we took a taxi that pretty much like – was like a – I want to say it was a coyote. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, I mean, we were Cubans at the time. Like me and my sisters were – I'm Colombian. She, they're – both Venezuelans, but since our parents were Cuban, they had like the, if you step on land rule, you know, we can come in and become, you know, have the opportunity to become citizens and residents and whatever else. So we took a coyote, he just dropped us off in the front, and then um, they separated 
my mom, my sister, and I away from my dad. They put my dad into like a jail, and then we were in like this little hotel that we weren't allowed to leave like the premises um, until they got their papers figured out and realized that you know okay we're good to go, and they let us go through. So then we took a. How long were you separated from your dad? I don't. I think it was a week. Damn. I think it was a week, but I can't remember. I was ten back then. So. Was your mom scared? She held it together. Okay. So I couldn't tell. Was she your was, dad scared? I think he held it together. I mean, I don't know. From what he tells us, he was great. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, <I'll see laughs> I wasn't fucking scared. Yeah, I'll see them when, whenever you're ready to bring me back. Man, out of they weren't gonna do shit. What did he say about like the holding cell? That was he like by himself? He honestly never really talked about it. All he talked about was the fact that they gave him ice cream. Well, that's, so. that's okay. <laughs> Yo, anywhere you go and they're calling it jail and they're giving you ice cream, I mean, I might want to go. Yeah. Not, not, I like ice cream. Not, it's, so it's a bad situation, but there are. They're so making the best of it. Making the best of it. You know? So that's crazy. I remember when you told me that, I was like, holy shit. Um, you imagine so- you get sentenced to like a 10-year bid. They just fucking slam that iron door for the first time. They're like, the fucking ice cream freezer's over there. <laughs> it's the silver lining, dog. We stock that bitch full of Ben and Jerry's twice a week. Twice a week, new flavors, bro. He's like, what about books? They're like, no, nah, no, nah, Cherry Garcia. <laughs> uh, you can read the labels on the ice cream over and over again. <laughs> it's all the same carbohydrates, but it doesn't matter. So, after, so you guys got let out after a week, and then did you get right into the country? Yeah, we were pretty much in the country. We we're in Texas. So we're in the jail in Texas. Oh, okay. So yeah, was it like a big ass jail? Huh? Was it a big ass jail? We were in. A, I don't. I don't know where my dad was. He never really talked about oh, okay. it after. Well, because so. everything's bigger in Texas, so True. Just probably. So. And then, so you guys came out in Texas, and did you stay in Texas? No. So we went straight to Miami. Straight where to Miami. My dad. Had Why wouldn't the Spanish people go to Miami? <laughs> I'm but just saying. The Cuban no. people. <laughs> I mean, anybody, especially the Cubans. <laughs> So, yeah, we stayed in Miami for, like, two months, and it wasn't our cup of tea. Like, since my parents had been living in Venezuela for so long, like, the whole culture is a little bit different than it is in Cuba. Uh-huh. Cubans drink espresso, not tea. Huh? They drink espresso, not tea. You said it wasn't your cup of tea. Oh, <laughs> it wasn't their cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, so we pretty much went up north to Jacksonville. Um no, that's a culture shock. I was going to say, that's a that's fucking a damn culture shock. That's a switch. Holy <laughs> shit. So it was different, but it was more like, the thing is, like with Venezuela, it's a lot more peaceful. People are nicer. They're more like, they have more manners. So it's it's a little bit of a, it, so Jacksonville was more like that to them. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Nobody, nobody has any manners in Miami. No. Well, Miami is like a very interesting melting pot, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, this is something I thought was really interesting. So, one of our our athletes, uh, Erica Guerra, Erica Diana is her is her uh, Instagram. So when she she um, oh god damn, what country is she from? Mother, excuse my language. <laughs> it's one that you don't hear of all the time. It's um, Uruguay. Okay. So when she came from Uruguay to school, she was already a teenager. Only spoke Spanish. And when she graduated high school, she still pretty much only spoke Spanish. And I was like, how the hell did you graduate high school only speaking Spanish? And because where she went to school down in South Miami. All the teachers only spoke Spanish. All of the teachers were Spanish too. (laughs) And so they just spoke Spanish to her because it was easier for her to understand. I'm like, whoa, that's so messed up when you think about it. So they were actually helping you not learn. Yeah. I'm like, what about your English teacher? And she's like, well, you know, 
She was Spanish. They would teach you, of course, the English, but you know, if you asked to go to the bathroom, everybody spoke in Spanish the whole time because everybody there was Spanish. So she didn't learn to speak English until she got out of high school and she was in the actual like job force learning on the job. Oh yeah, it's crazy. When I got here, like those two months that I was here, we like we went straight to school. I did not learn. I learned maybe like four words. Right when I moved to Jacksonville, like I started learning more and more and like I learned English and I I wanna say like fully in like eight months. And then that's if crazy. I would have stayed here, I probably would have probably I taken feel away like way that's longer. really not a good thing. I mean, I'm all for everybody learning Spanish. I should learn Spanish. I felt that way when I was in Colombia. I really felt that way when I was in Mexico. <laughs> I should learn Spanish. But I feel like in the English school systems that like not speaking English is probably really bad. Well, I mean, back 10 years ago, yeah. But now, I mean, like now I feel like they're like, if you're bilingual, you definitely got a job. If you speak Spanish, you know, there's still a pretty good chance. <laughs> like, there's, it's not like how it was but 10 years like, ago where they're like, English for sure. Bilingual, definitely. Spanish, uh, you might need to learn a little bit more English before we can give you a job. Now they're like, well, we'll just have you for the people that only speak Spanish. That's what a lot of people say now. So I, I just can't believe that you can graduate and still not really speak English. That's nuts. Well, I, this might blow your mind. I never, throughout my entire schooling, ever learned my multiplication tables. Really? Nope. <laughs> nope. Just never learned them. How about that? Yep. How about that? I thought you were going to say that you failed Spanish. and I was. Gonna I also crazy. failed Spanish twice. <laughs> <laughs> never passed that shit. Yo, but like I had my first time that I, I had Spanish, my Spanish teacher was super hot and she really liked me. And she was just like, you know, she's going to give you a D because... I know you're a good kid. And I was like, thanks. You know, <laughs> you know I really like you too. Like, it's like she got a boyfriend and all that. But then the next Spanish teacher I had next year was just an old Spanish lady that was not having my bullshit. Not at all. She was like, F. <laughs> I was no slide. I had a year, I had a year where, I, where, I, where I, uh, I stupidly was like, you know what? I don't want to do Spanish this year. I'm going to take Latin. And Good idea. After the first semester, <laughs> I failed so hard. There was only four kids in the class, and it was like the four strongest, like smartest kids in, ever. And they were like, "Why is he in here?" And even the teacher was like, "Why are you in here?" And I was like, oh, "I think I'll switch it up. I don't want to do Spanish." Like sometimes you get bored lifting weights. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, bad but, idea. I don't want to back a half a semester behind everybody else in Spanish after that. I've, I mean, and I bet you loved that a lot more than Latin. <laughs> Latin was rough. Dude. I'm sure it fucking was. You were probably sitting there like, what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> I was I was bad when I was in Spanish. Like, So I had this teacher, uh, Mr. Friedman, he hated me. So I made this rule in Spanish class that nobody was allowed to read except for me. And everyone obeyed the rule. And so he'd be like, does anybody want to read the next paragraph? And I'd be like, with my hand raised, and nobody else would raise their hand. And he'd be like, anyone but PJ. Anyone else. <laughs> anybody else. And he'd be like, fine, read. So when I would read, I'd be like, nosotros somos. And he'd be like, read in your regular voice. And I would be like, this is my regular voice. And then i get back into it. I'd be like, como estas? Like that. And he'd be like, read in your regular voice. And I'd be like, this is my regular voice. And he'd be like, someone else. But I was like, I, I made sure, because like I was like one of the cool kids in school, that no one would ever do it. And the other thing that we used to do, this is really funny, is when he would read, we would all collectively say the last word in the sentence together at the same time, no matter what, what it was. It could be any random word. So he'd be reading, and he'd get to the last word, and the whole class would say it. That's and, fucking and great. And he'd be like, please don't do that. And like, <laughs> please don't and we do just that. keep doing it. Any word that was the last word in the sentence, and everyone was hated together and like giggle a little bit. <laughs> he hated me so much, that teacher, Mr. Friedman. Hated is, me. I feel like all, all of my teachers throughout all of my K, K through, well, I got kicked out in 11th grade. Um, 
they all had either one of three opinions and it was either this kid is an absolute degenerate and he is not going to make it out of high school, which I mean, technically I didn't. Um, he is just a hopeless stoner that hopefully is going to work at McDonald's or this kid is going to conquer the fucking world. <laughs> Those were the three opinions. By he teachers. definitely doesn't work at McDonald's. Yep. Um, <laughs> so that means that I'm well on my way to conquering the world. Check that out, Mr. Levinson. How about that? <laughs> All right. So we, we went through a, a bunch of different countries, ended up in Jacksonville, played some different high school sports, and then you went to college where? University of Florida. And did you specifically want to go to University of Florida? Yes. Why wouldn't you? And Well, I'm getting to that. <laughs> what made you want to go to University of Florida? Um, okay, so I wanted to be a dentist at the time. So they had a dentist program there. And I guess dentist schools are not – they're not – popular there's mm-hmm. not that many of them so i was like oh i'm gonna go there i'm gonna go to dental school and it's gonna be great then i went and shadowed a dentist and realized that i didn't want to look at people's teeth all day and is that what it was you just didn't want to like you thought it was a good job and then you saw some gross teeth and you were like nope yeah like the, yeah i wouldn't want to be in gross mouths all day mm. I, I have this thing where if i stand for too long i start losing my breath so like the lady had me standing in the corner just watching her for like maybe like two or three patients and i was just like how long before you lose your breath? And it comes fast. Like, I want to say less than 30 minutes. Like, All the time? Yeah. Huh. So, if, like, lines at theme parks suck. Interesting. Yeah. So, you're just, like, extra fatigued during workouts then? No. I have pretty high endurance during, but I guess. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The... Stand up, but it's just, like, the standing. How did you do the long sessions of cardio then? Yeah. Because you were moving. Oh, so just standing still. It's standing still. Oh, so it's just uh, not moving. Yeah. Okay. It sucks. That's fucking weird. Yeah, I know. I gotta say, I gotta, that's yeah. almost as weird as Dane being allergic to fucking water. <laughs> Dane is allergic to water. Dane is allergic to water. If he takes a shower, he gets itchy every what's single the, what's time. What's it called? Aqua degenerosis or something? What? Yes, he is one of only ten people. Very few people in existence that are allergic to water. So how does he shower? He showers, and after every shower, he gets extremely itchy Aww. all over his body. That's unfortunate. It uh, sounds extremely unfortunate, and also for just an odd reason, I have an obsession of wanting to watch it happen. Me too. I just, as, I, I, as I, unfortunate just, it is, it's also one of the more pleasing. It's things extremely I know. intriguing. Yeah. How could you? That's like being allergic to air. Don't you just want to like? <laughs> how is this a thing? Be a fly like on the wall in like the first ten doctors' rooms that he presented this to. No, I want to be a fly on the wall in the room the first time that he took a shower with Sylvia. Because then afterwards, she was probably like, what the fuck is wrong with you, you crazy white boy? <laughs> Why are you rolling around saying you're fucking itchy? <laughs> He's like, you don't understand. Yeah, this happens yeah, every time. Like intensely itchy. He can't go in, like, the ocean. Aww. Yeah, it's very... <laughs> yeah, like, we were at a pool party, and people were coming up to him like, you're going to go in the pool, right? He's like, I can't. I'm allergic to water. And they're like, okay, dickhead. Allergic to water. Yeah, okay. So what if he sweats? Does that also... That's not water. It doesn't count. I guess. No. So he also, I believe has a panic disorder and i believe that there's a correlation between water the, and the allergy to water and the panic disorder somehow there has not been a doctor smart enough yet but i figured it out i'm not even an md <laughs> um all right so you went to the university of florida and how are the gyms there they're great so the university of florida has one of like the best student rec gyms that I've ever seen. It's two floors, has an indoor track, has like eight or nine like basketball courts. And it was, 
I loved it. But the, you, as a, as a student, not playing a sport, it's a different gym than the and like the football players and stuff, right? Oh yeah, no, no, no. This is like a LA Fitness kind of gym. Can you even go into where the football players play? No. No, no. I I remember I saw it once, but you weren't allowed to go in there. But I know that the football players were a lot smaller than like their weightlifting room mm-hmm. than that gym. We're interesting to see what goes down in there. Now, do you hate uh, the Seminoles? No. No. Okay. No hate for the Seminoles. No. I, I know I get, I get a lot of rap for that, but no. <laughs> Tristan is a Seminole. Um, Dane is a Hurricane, so I have a lot of Florida covered. Uh, down here in our group of friends. Um, now, what was it like going to Florida, like a big-ass college like that? No, it was great. I mean, I was – I want to say I was very sheltered back in – when I lived at home, my mom and dad were very careful of me. I wasn't allowed to, like, do much. Like, I mean, I wasn't allowed to shave until I was 15. And that sucked. No, just kidding. I cried to her, and then she let me shave. At what age? When I was in middle school, sixth grade, okay. and it sucked. Like kids were so mean. Like, cause I I used to go to a school that was more like culturally diverse, mm-hmm. and then we moved to another area in Jacksonville where it was more of like Americans, and they did not take anything. Like I remember I walked in and like, I, I'm a very hairy person. I have laser hair removal now. Yeah, so Spanish, like, it's part of it. And all Latinas got that got that hair. Yeah, no? I mean, but definitely some have it like worse than others. Like there yeah. was definitely girls in my middle school that like they were you know definitely Mexican but just didn't have like dark arm hair. And then there's mm-hmm. other ones that had like dark oh, arm dude, hair worse than mine. And boys would be mean to them. Yeah, boys would be so mean to them in middle school. Yeah. Like they were so mean to me. And like I remember I walked in the first day of school. I was so excited. I had my little mini skirt because my mom used to always like put me in mini skirts. And the like kids were so mean. Like oh look, it's the monkey. This uh. and that. And like I'm like oh and. Like, like oh it's the monkey prostitute i'm like i don't even know what that is the monkey oh, prostitute because i was wearing a short skirt and like i was like oh okay that's so know. fucked they up they were so mean and then i mean damn after a while, and i had a pretty thick accent back then too and then from there i kind of like trained myself to have a more of an american accent where the spanish one sometimes comes out a lot yeah then, i can hear a spanish accent sometimes yeah so and went from there <laughs> so what when you were in college like because you to me you seem like such a like good girl did you ever like just figure out i'm out in college now on my own i'm gonna do some bad shit i went out drinking a couple times but it got to the point where i didn't like it so i mean i even till this day i don't i don't really drink so no did you ever like get hammered and puke in college? Yes. Oh, you did. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was like once, and then once. After, Come on. Maybe, maybe twice. No, no, I promise you. Really? Yeah. I'm, yeah. Man, I, mean, I got fucking. I off alcohol dude. more than that before I even That's fucking good. graduated high school. It was, <laughs> it was like one of those things. Like I mean, I had alcohol poisoning at sixteen. I'd go to the hospital, and they told my mom I wasn't going to make it. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were like, even if we pump his stomach right now, it's not going to do shit. If he lives, he lives. If he dies, he dies. Like, there's nothing we can do. No. I, <laughs> I think is, though, I've, I was always afraid of my mom, like, just coming out of nowhere and just, like, just being ashamed of me that I just never really cared to do anything Damn, bad. Damn, good kid. Wow. Cared about her parents' opinion that much. Yeah. Yo. Even to this day. That <laughs> maybe sheds, like, the smallest sliver of light on having a daughter. Yeah, I know. Maybe. That's what you just think. I've actually told her before, like, like there's if some, I have a daughter, I really hope that it can be like her. There's some <laughs> fucking hope out there, yeah. boys. Not much, but some. It's 
I can't even believe we're sitting here. I don't. I even, that's crazy. I know I'm getting daughters too, so I just hope that I get the good daughters like her, <laughs> not the not the the slutty ones. For the love of God. With our fucking luck, they'll be like skydivers or something. They're going to be fucking, I don't even <laughs> want to know. Um, all right, so Florida, you are majoring in what? So I switched up a bunch of different majors, and then I ended up doing psychology, and then I just went to the highest paying psychology field, which is industrial organizational psychology. Industrial organizational psychology. Yes. So What does that entail? See that five it's, times fast. Yeah. <laughs> It's like human resources. So you go into okay. like the businesses and you go in and you try to fix them up so yep. they can their workers can perform better. Is that what you figured you were going to do then? Yeah, so that's I I don't know, that's what I imagined myself doing. I was so excited for it. I would like watch shows and like something like bar rescue, mm-hmm. things like that. That's oh. kind of what I wanted to do and that's I was cool. like, "Oh, this is cool." It is pretty cool. And then um I don't know. I got into my master's program. I really enjoyed it. Like it was a two-year program. The first year I was like very into it. And then the second year, like I started actually interning, and I interned at um, United Airlines, um, cool at their corporate yeah. office, and it just there, it wasn't my cup of tea. Um, How big was that corporate office? Oh, it's huge. So United Airlines is a pretty big company. It's in. So. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Chicago. It's in the Willis Tower, so the Sears Tower. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they take up like maybe like a good amount of floors. Wow. So yeah. Um, so I was in the human resources section and then we were doing like this, it was this project transferring over like their, their systems and trying to teach the, the workers about the new system and how to use it and whatever else. But I don't know, like the population at United Airlines is like the average is 50. So I couldn't relate to anyone. Gotcha. And then I was just like, okay, like all they did was gossip all day about their lives and mm-hmm. everybody else's lives. And then they would take their work home. So it was it, a lot of the work I didn't even get to experience just because they took it home. And I didn't even didn't even want to give me a lot of responsibility either because I was an intern. But it is what it is. And How long were you there for? Um, I was there for, I think the whole project was a good six months or so. So at this point, you're how old? 22. And, and how hard were you training at this point? Oh, very hard. So my, okay, so that was my second year and that was the year that I got my pro card. So, oh, I so was, all this time that you're doing all this crazy schooling and everything else, you were competing in bikini. Yes. So how did that fit in there? Oh, it was tough. So I remember, okay, so I did junior nationals first, and that was my first year. And I was not as serious as I am now. I kind of just did whatever. I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm just going to go work out, do this, do that. I went to conferences. I still kind of ate out. And then junior nationals was like my where things really got straight to my head where I was I got dead last at that show. What had you done before Junior Nationals? I had done the Dexter Jackson. Mm-hmm. That was like, and then I did one right before, which is the Ancient Classic, which is, they're both in Florida, and I got second place, and then I ended up beating the girl at that beat me in that show and got first place at Dexter. Um, so I, got, I had it all in my head. I was like, the shit. When you did uh, Junior Nationals, were you living in Chicago? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so that was my first year um, living in Chicago. And then I got dead last, and I was like, okay, well, I got six months till nationals. Um, I need to get my shit together, and, you know, this is whether I decide to stay or keep going in the sport. So I pretty much, like, invested in my first CJ suit. I did everything right. I didn't cheat on my meals. I didn't cheat on my cardio. Everything was, like, on point. I was literally waking up at, like, 5 a.m., going to the gym, going straight to the gym to my internship at United. I had two internships. 
uh, my internship at United. Then I would go to school. Then I would go to my second internship, finish up my cardio. Where was the second internship? It was at a small consul- consulting firm. So it was um, like a one-man show that he would go and like go and fix um, like their leadership and things like that at separate um, other companies. How did you get into that gig? I'm just curious. Um, I had a friend that like told me that they were hiring people up and then I was and then a lot of people were like leaving and then I actually ended up being becoming like the manager of like because yeah it was like I ended up becoming like the main project manager for him. But it was an internship so you were not getting paid. I was actually getting paid once I did do the project manager okay, part. At United, I was paid by flights. So I could pretty much do unlimited flights. Oh, that's cool. As long as they were standby, obviously. But So that was a nice gig. Mm, you could utilize that the right way. I'm just, I'm, the reason I'm asking is because you're in school. You've got all this time that's going to your school. And, and you're also training and you're interning like crazy. I'm just wondering like how like you like afforded to like get by. Was it a struggle? Honestly... I don't know. I just had so much passion for it mm-hmm. that, and I was doing my demos too with you guys yep. at that time. Also, that was the time that I started with Blackstone as well. And I don't know. I like I literally just went like woke up, did all those things, ate, slept, and that was it. That was my life. I didn't have any other kind of like college experience at the point either. Like I was just like, okay, my goal is to get to nationals, do my best, and then we'll see what happens then. So at junior nationals, you got your pro card. No, I got last place. Oh, you got last place. That's right. So and then, six then, months later, okay. it was nationals, and then that's where I got my pro card. So that's pretty amazing. So you you got on stage pretty fast, mm-hmm. did bad, and then turned pro the next time you got right. on stage. How much different did you look at junior nationals versus nationals? Oh, completely different. Like I think it was just the overall package. It wasn't just you know my physique. Like my physique was a little bit softer at junior nationals. I needed to like tone it down, but just my makeup, my hair, my like tan my suit everything was just not where it needed to be at junior nationals and i kind of like just got really into it and i started like really researching what other girls were doing and you know i had the help of my coach back then sarah long who pretty much like helped me with it as well and she's like oh yeah you need to do this you need to do that just invest the money and you're gonna get you know what you need as well so i pretty much just saved off all my money and i was doing like personal training at the time too and mm-hmm. so that's where i made my money as well so you're working like crazy, you get your pro card, you're doing all these different internships. Let's go from, from that period to, let's say about a year ago, you know, what happened in your life that transitioned you, you know, let's, 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 let's go to about a year ago, like, like before, cause I want, I want to talk about this past year's mm-hmm. competitions, but let's go from where we just were at to there, you know, like you obviously, you know talk about your career like decisions that you made you know where you're gonna live like tell us everything like where, where so you're... once I graduated from my master's program I knew that I didn't want to go into the field of industrial organizational psychology like I was just like okay this is this is not for me I want to go into the fitness industry I want to become a coach and I want to do pretty much what my coach was doing coaching girls um so I pretty much like took the bullet and I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Like I literally like scraped by with like barely making any money. We moved back to Tampa. Um, and cause my boyfriend had a secure job there working at the cadaver lab at USF. Okay. And the cadaver lab. Yeah. So he taught, he teaches, he taught anatomy at, um, the university of South Florida to all the medical students. Damn. So like no dead bodies. Yeah. 
did yeah. I never saw them, but yeah, it was. Like, but like he was working on them all the time. Yeah, that's dope. And he's really, really good at that too. So really good at working on dead bodies. Yes. <laughs> that has to be a pretty rare skill How because like the amount of people that do that yeah. is already low. So like if you're good at it, like. How do you find somebody that's good at yeah, it when, like, did, we get so few people that want to do it already? Tell like, us briefly how that happened. So his his goal from since ever has – like, we met back in college, and he wanted to get into medical school. He got into medical school this year. Um, and he went and did – after college, he went and did a master's program at USF doing, um, you know, for medical science. And one of the classes was anatomy with the cadavers. And he was just really good at that. And then he ended up just – staying a little bit longer got into it and then like ended up like teaching for the school after yeah. so. that's cool when he was um when he was like uh working on the cadavers did he say like i really love doing this yeah like, really he, like he really enjoys it and he's just it's one of those things that he's just really really good at anatomy so like and he never creeped him out ever in the beginning i'm not I, from what i heard no hmm. like but you also got to figure like even if it's something that's like creepy to other people or whatever like if you tried like pretty much anything in your life even if it was like kind of weird to most people and you were just really fucking good at it you probably want to keep doing it yeah like even if you didn't necessarily enjoy it right off the bat but somebody was like yo you're fucking clearly natural at this like you, you should keep going you'd probably be like well you know like why not like let's say you didn't really like painting but all of a sudden you were the next picasso and somebody recognized it was like yo you should probably keep doing this yeah. you're like i don't really give a fuck about painting but i guess i will <laughs> like you know I think it's like once you know that the person's dead, like you just kind of disconnect it, and it's more of like that thing that's there. And I think yeah. that's how he explained it to me. So yeah, that's how I would see it. I think, unless I knew the person, I don't think I would have any problem with it myself. No, I think it would gross me out, but I'm not good with death. <laughs> I'm not bad. I'm sucky with death. I don't even like being like at funerals. I don't like being anywhere near. Yeah, me neither. No. I mean, like sir. I don't know. Yeah, if, like I said, if it's somebody you know, it's definitely a little bit different. But like. I've seen my fair share of dead bodies like fresh and I'm like, eh, it sucks. But like, except for that one time I was on acid when I looked at the dude, that fucking sucked. Yeah, that's <laughs> that fucking sucked. <laughs> um, all right. So were your parents supportive of you wanting to go into fitness from like what your original plans were? Cause you started out as maybe I'm going to be a dentist. Then you're going to be a <laughs> therapist. And then you're like, all right, I'm going into fitness. Yeah. So my dad is an entrepreneur and he was always very supportive. He's like, okay, I can see how you can make money out of this if you do it the right way and you, you know, you keep going at it. My mom, on the other hand, she was very like, okay, you know, give it a try. If it doesn't work within like three months, then give it up and then just go back. Three to months. Okay. <laughs> three months is a, yeah. that's a short it period of time to take it off the ground. <laughs> it took me a lot longer than three months. That's for sure. She, she gave you the old 90 day trial period. So. You're like, I really don't like looking into people's mouths. I don't know if I really want to work with people at their job, but like there's money in big booties, dad. Like, come, come on. We can make some big booties make some money here. So, and I don't know. My mom just had a different vision for me. She wanted me to work, like, wear, like, the work outfits and, you know, have that kind of lifestyle, travel, and, you know, do that type of consulting work. And that just wasn't for me. I just – I don't do well with working with a team of people. I do better when if I'm working for myself and knowing that, you know, I can carry myself. And I have, if I have under people under me, I can do that as well. But if I have, like – equals next to me I don't do as well because I just kind of give everybody else the responsibility and just like I'm like oh, okay cool like I don't know I just kind of like downgrade myself and okay so you're yeah. better you're better off just being your own boss of your own yeah mm -hmm. so you uh, so then you started your uh training business yeah now how much training do you do in the gym versus online 
now mm-hmm. or zero. I don't do any in person. So it's all online now. It's all online. Even when I started, it was all online. I never actually had any like in person people. See, I, I back in the day, there really wasn't any online training. So when I first started, I was training so many people in the gym. And my dream, my goal was to get into the online business. But nobody was really doing it. I hadn't figured it out yet until it was like maybe like 2008 ish is when I started doing it. But, um, I used to train so many people in the gym that I, I started to be like so burnt out that I would have to leave the gym and drive to a completely different gym to work out because I needed to get out of where I was training people so bad. And um, it's so grueling training person after person after person mm-hmm. in the gym. People think like how hard it's going to be. You're not the one working out. But there's so much that goes into it. So I I had this vision of I'm going to just sit on a computer and figure out how to train all these people without having to see any of their fucking faces. That's what that's my goal. Excuse my language. And eventually, of course, I did that. Now there's so many people that, that do it now. So many. So do you think that now that it is difficult because it's such a competitive market? Or do you think that as long as you market yourself the right way, there's an endless amount of clients for you to train? Honestly, like if you think about it, how many people are in the United States and how many people actually need help with training? So many. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows what they're doing. So not one person out there can take up all however many people are in the United States. So I always like even with there's other like trainers and stuff, I always give out tips and give them help with, you know, how to improve themselves as well. And just even on their own business, because, yeah, if I'm the best one, great. But. I can't have everyone. So it's good to have other trainers out there that are also as good, that are also going to give good results in a healthy manner as well. Because a lot of people are just easy to just give them, oh, here's some chicken and rice, just eat this Mm -hmm. little bit and then just do these endless hours of cardio or just don't do any cardio. And then, like, they don't really know what they're doing. So, yeah, I think it all comes down to how you market yourself and what you – how you show yourself and, you know. Are you – doing men also or is it primarily women i do a couple men but it's primarily women do you do competitors yes what percentage of your clients are competitors versus just your everyday i would say 50 50 that's pretty good so now when you're training competitors i assume they're they're looking up to you because you're a pro right now this past year competing i know you were frustrated um (laughs) this year how do you you know how do you approach somebody that wants to compete in bikini really bad when you're frustrated with bikini? Like, what do you, how do you, how do you mentally prepare them for that as a coach? That's a tough question. I think it just comes down to, you know, the amateur level and the pro level are very different. And you can get away with a lot more in the amateur level than you can in the pro level. And, you know, there's so many more shows. So I think it's a lot easier to place at the amateur level if you have the right guidance mm-hmm. and, you, and, you know, your coach knows what they're looking for. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, I don't I, I feel like I can get my girls where they need to be. And I, you know, I'm good at it, I guess. Um, but it, it does get really frustrating whenever you don't do as well as you wanted you want to. But I mean, if you keep fighting it, like you will get to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just have to like. At least for me, I don't look at it as like, oh, you know, like they didn't look at me. They, you know, they don't like me because of this. I just feel like I haven't reached my full potential to be able to say, okay, I deserve that spot. Like I don't care to deserve like that top five. I want to go out there and say, okay, I deserve that first spot. And, you know, then I'll be pissed if I don't get it. So, so far you have not felt like that. No. Okay. Mm -hmm. What have the judges told you? Um, I've gotten different things. Uh, Mostly, most of the time. 
especially now. Um, and it's all been like, oh, you have a great structure. You just need to like, like um, get your tie-in uh, tighter, mm. more conditioning on your tie-in and your glutes and your hamstrings. I guess we're just I carry my fat, so yeah, it's, it's 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 a very common spot for women to carry their fat there anyway. So this year, towards the end of <clears throat> the competition season for you, I was sort of under the impression that you were not going to compete for a while. Right. So that was my mentality. I, I was just really burnt out. I did things a bit different than I was used to. Preps have always been really easy for me. Like, I'm really good with diets. I'm really good with training. I'm really good with cardio. You can give me two hours of cardio and I can do it easily. Like, it is it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the structure of how my macros were with the higher fats, it just kind of killed me. And I was running on really low energy all the time. And just with the hit cardio as well, like, all the that I was doing, like, it was just kind of, like, burning me out. And I was just like, okay, I don't – I took it just took the life out of me to and get you, there. But and you, uh, you were working with a different coach now at this point. Right, right, right. So the, the coach that uh, you turned pros with name is Sarah, Sarah Long. Sarah Long. Mm-hmm. All right, so Long. Now at, at this point you're trying something new. <clears throat> it obviously didn't work. <clears throat> and so you were burnt out. Right. So I got there and I was like, well, I did three shows. I got last place at every single one of them. I felt like, especially at the last one, I felt like I actually could do like, you know, I, I at least deserve second call outs from where everybody else was at. But I was, I just didn't get it. And I was just like, okay, I'm pissed. Like, this is it. Like, you know what? I'm just going to blow up my legs because that's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to become, I don't know if you know who Jadishna is. Um, who? Jadishna. She's a, uh, you met her. Oh, yeah. yeah I met you her. met her at uh, the yeah, Columbia. She's beautiful, actually. She has this. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly. She has about. these huge legs and yeah. huge glutes. And I'm like, man, you know what? They're going to end up putting the wellness category in here anyway. So I might as well just start now and everything will be okay. But I don't know. Just something turning me. I'm like, okay, I haven't really reached my full potential in bikini yet. I haven't gotten my tying yet. And I feel like, yeah, my legs are not big enough. Yeah, even to do wellness if they did decide. I to think they are, but we're not even worrying about that yet because that division's not even around here. So, yet, so. exactly. So I was like, okay, it's well. non-existent. It's just a unicorn right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fleeting fantasy. It will show up. It's just going to be called a different name. But eventually. start training your glutes now because <laughs> it's coming. So, I'm like, okay, I haven't reached my full potential, and yeah, so that's why I decided to reach out to PJ. And I actually would have really liked to work with Steph for a while. I just was at a point in my life where I just couldn't train anybody. The, the, the company was so busy. And then when I was going through the divorce and the FDA stuff and everything else, there was just no time for me to work with anybody. So this past year, as we got back into like a, I suppose a rebuilding phase, able to start taking on uh, some different things. And I, 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 you know, took on the responsibility of, of coaching Dane and um, of course, allergic to water boy, allergic to water, Dane. And uh, <laughs> instead of just water boy, Nika and I had a great run. We did a lot of shows together <clears> this year, which got my passion back really for, for working with women. And that's when um, Stephanie and I uh, spoke. And now, interestingly enough, I had just spoken to Steph Mahoy uh, very, very close to the same time, maybe a week or two earlier. And we decided that she wanted to get back in, into it and that she felt unfulfilled and that she, she wanted to come, you know get herself back on stage and go for it again. I had worked with her in the past with a lot of success. So I took on one Stephanie that I had already worked with a lot and another Stephanie that I had never worked with before, but I felt they're both in the similar position of having really good structures that just needed some fine tuning. I think Steph has been there before. She just needs to get, get back there. And Stephanie Sakara, I thought I can make this girl really, really good. And that's what we're aiming to do right now. I believe that I will be able to get her 
on the Olympia stage. Her structure, as the judges have told her already, is amazing. So I do think that right now, if I just <clears throat> set her free and, and just unleashed her in the gym, she could be what the wellness division wants uh, outside of the United States where it is. But unfortunately, there is nothing in the United States. So we have to give them what they want, which is a more streamlined physique. I am helping her to improve the ham gluten, which she already knows is what she has to improve. I feel that I am a, an expert in that area. Uh, a lot of it is training, and a big, big, big part of it is nutrition, and then the supplementation. Together, when you figure out all those things, it's not so hard to get that area to look the way that you want it to. I've done it tons of times with tons of girls. So I'm very confident in our plan. She works very, very hard. You guys will see uh, in this training video that we did today, she freaking works like a machine. Um, but I'll tell you one thing, it's a shame. I said this to Eric today <clears throat> in the video. Um, you know, you, you may have one of the best butts I've ever seen. You know, we've seen a lot of really good butts. <laughs> we do, we've seen a lot of really good butts. We're butt uh, connoisseurs around in, here. In, in fact, some of my, my friends from the industry actually reached out to me today and, and they said like very nice things about you. They're like, oh, I can't wait for her video to come out. I hope you're doing legs, which of course we did. And it's a bit of a shame that we have to, to focus on streamlining that to get you to win on stage, but that is the name of the game. You do what's necessary to win. Um, I do hope that this wellness division or whatever they want to call it comes to the United States. I think that if people get out there and start speaking of it a lot, the judges are going to start paying attention. I, th I do believe that we will see this in the NPC and IPB within a couple of years for sure. So. Um, for now, we're going to do what's necessary uh, for her to kick ass, and I believe that we will. And she's very young. So even if this division doesn't come for a couple of years, she's still going to be in the prime of uh, her competing career. And who knows? Maybe, just like I said, she'll be on the Olympia stage then and won't want to do the wellness division. We don't know. Maybe <laughs> she will. We'll see. Um, but I'm very excited about it. So you guys will see a little bit more um, with Stephanie I, as the year go on. We're going to answer whatever questions we have uh, today. I think there's not too many of them this week. Um, but I should have uh, peed more efficiently because I, I did pee before, but I have to pee again. Um, Are you sure? I've been holding it for like 20 minutes. And <laughs> I knew that I was going to keep talking. And I looked at my watch and I was like, damn, we're not even to the questions yet. I've got to take a break. All right. Let's post out some questions. Bing, bang, blow. All right. Question number one says, <clears throat> I'm looking at trying your Dust V2. I like the intense stimulant pre-workout, but also want to run the Halo Elite. What do you think about taking them together? And was wondering, with my job, there's random drug tests for any kind of drug out there, and I don't want to take a product that could possibly affect the drug test in any way. I was wondering if you ever had any problems with that or such. I'm 20 years old, weighing in about 165 and being 5'11". I have decent size and muscle tone. There, I'm super... And I'm super lean, but I want to keep the lean muscle, but put on five or 10 pounds and stay the same physique. Let me know what you think about running those two products together and think they'd benefit me well. Thanks, Jarrett West. Excited on getting some of your products ordered. Haven't heard nothing but great reviews on your products. Uh, well, good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, you can take them together. In fact, everybody takes them together, whether it's Dust X, Dust. Uh, but but everyone loves to take the Halo Elite as a pre-workout. That's the ideal way to do it. And know you have nothing to worry about as far as failing breakfast. They're just going to know that you're a beast. <laughs> That's it. All right. This is such a good question. Okay. <laughs> 
Hi guys, not much of a question this week. I just want to say I hope you guys had a good Christmas and thanks for answering my question on episode 40. Josh, what is one shoe you think everyone should own? And PJ, what is one aspect of Josh you think everyone should try to develop in themselves? Thanks guys, Adam. This is fucking great. And I, I would say I think everybody should own the Yeezy 350 just because that's probably one of my favorites. But not it's not necessarily practical for everybody. But So everybody should own an Ultra Boost because Ultra Boosts are the shit. And they're widely available. Eric's wearing them right now. They're super comfortable. So go get yourself a pair of Ultra Boosts. All right, there you go. From the shoe aficionado. How are you with shoes? Oh, I'm very basic. She got so. some Asics on right now. I do have some Asics Looks on. Looks like right she now. got some miles on them. Those are definitely her gym shoes. So you know, you're not you're not a sneakerhead. No. So I have like a pair of Converse, a pair of Asics, and then a couple pair of Nikes. Yeah. I'm not either. I'm just all about functional aspect of shoes. This year um, I had a couple pairs. Up until last year, I literally had one or maybe one gym pair and one not gym pair of shoes. And then what happened? You just went crazy. And then I'll tell you exactly what happened. You put me in a fucking office with Trevor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Trevor ruined my yeah, life by saving it with Trevor shoes. Trevor is crazy with shoes. <laughs> he saved my yeah. life by giving me a shoe hobby. Because. Lord knows what I would be doing right now if I didn't have 70 pairs of shoes at my house. Trevor had some really <laughs> ridiculous shoes, though. He has 70 pairs of shoes he's never worn. He has, like, those pepperoni pizza shoes. Those yeah. are fucking ugly. I'm sorry. Excuse my language. No, sometimes it's not about wearing them. No. They're it's just, just about having ridiculous. them. Ridiculous. Um, shout out to Trevor. Shout out to Trevor. <laughs> um, so what is a quality that, that Josh has that everyone should have? I think that's a pretty easy uh, answer because no one seems to have this fucking quality. Excuse my language. Josh is very loyal. And as we know at Blackstone Labs, loyalty is everything. I've said that a thousand times. I've really learned that so few people are, are, are truly loyal in this world. When you really need them, they're, they're, they're typically not there to help you. And I've noticed that I'm almost always there for people when they need help. But every now and then, I need some help. And um, Josh has been extremely reliable in that sense. He's a very loyal friend. In fact, I, I uh, just on Christmas, I had realized that was I was leaving that irresponsibly didn't ask anybody to watch my dogs. And I literally realized it as I was driving away in the car. Um, and so I reached out to my personal assistant and uh, I said, I know this is last minute. I, uh, I forgot to ask somebody to watch the dogs. I just need a full day of somebody being, being able to come by, walk them, come back, walk them later, feed them, please. I'm really, really sorry. If you can't help me, is there anybody else that can? And she was like, I can't help you. It's Christmas. I have family here and a lot of stuff going on. And Josh was like, I'll do it. And I was like, oh, thank God. So, you know, just somebody that you can count on when you're jammed for stuff like that always. I think loyalty is a, is a very, very important quality that I just find that, that the older I get, so few people have, which is, which is kind of a bummer. So if everybody out there could be more loyal. Um, that would be dope. To whoever you're with, whether it's your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your boss or whoever. It doesn't have to or be Or yourself. Me. Just quit yeah. faking it on Instagram too. Yeah. I mean, just, just you know. Bring that aspect to it because I think when you're a loyal friend, I think that that shows a lot about your character as a person. You know, it's like a very honorable trait to have, you know. If you're not loyal to your friends and you can just fucking throw somebody away after X amount of years, like, what kind of person are you? Yeah. You know. Next question just says. They didn't pay enough for their, you know, for their haircuts. Their damn haircuts. <laughs> Shit. Or, way, or, or more so, way overpaid for too long. Yeah. Screw that. All right, so it says, last, last week's podcast made me think of asking your guys' opinion on this situation. When you are in the gym and you see the younger guys or ladies in general doing an exercise completely wrong, do you offer help? And if so, how do you go about it? I have been met with anything from a thank you to a mind your business. Thoughts? 
Um, all right. Well, I can. I actually can answer this a very specific way because I see this every day and I respond to it the same way every day. But before I do, Stephanie, the trainer, <laughs> how do you? How do you? What do you do when you're in the gym? Let's let's break it down. Male versus female. Do you have a different approach? Does it affect you differently? When you're in the gym and you're working out. I, it doesn't matter who it is, if it's a male or a female. Usually, like, if someone's doing something super questionable, I'll go up to them and be like, hey, do you mind if I, you know, if you, I, can I offer you a suggestion on how to do this exercise? And, you know, I'll go ahead and, like, explain to them how to do it properly and, you know, what the best way to do it is. And then if they decide to keep doing it the way they're doing it, then, you know, it is what it is. But That's the, in my opinion, if you were going to ask me the right way to approach it, that is the right way to approach it. A suggestion of let me show you a, a better way to do this this exercise, or let me show you a way to do this exercise. Not saying hey, you're doing that wrong. People fucking hate that shit. Or even saying much. like, hey, do you, you should maybe try this variation mm -hmm. to now, make them think like, hey, that it's not like you can't do it your way. You can do whatever you want, <laughs> yeah. but like maybe this feels better if you try it. Well, like, what she said is so. I, as a former trainer, when I would advise other people trying to build their training businesses, that's the right approach. As a trainer, if you're looking to to build your business, that's a great approach to to invite somebody into learning about who you are as a trainer without insulting them and and I guess befriending them or belittling in, them. in the, in the right. gym. There's, yeah. a, there's a, a specific way that it has to be done. Um, male, female, you go about it the same way. Yeah. So it, right. it doesn't matter. So I have found over many many years that for starters. You've got to look at who's doing what, right? <laughs> if you're a giant steroid man and you go to a girl and you, you offer to help her, it has to be done a very specific way or you're just the guy that's trying to hit on the girl at the gym. Seen it happen a million times. I actually watch meatheads at LA Fitness do it all the time. And they get you can tell they're just getting shot down all the time too. So you got to look at who you're going to speak, speak to. Now, if you're a giant steroid man, and you're going to... And don't forget that you're the giant steroid man. Because yeah. sometimes you might be looking at somebody and thinking that you have a different image of what you actually look like. Yeah. And you are scary, sir. Yeah. You're scary looking. Now, you got you, veins yeah. all over the place. You're looking if, weird. If that's you, you got to have a different approach. You chill. You, first of all, if you're that guy, you cannot go to another giant steroid man and tell him he's not doing oh, something no. right. Hell no. Those you are, might as well fight. Them's his fighting you words, baby. Well fight. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say about my curl form, bitch? <laughs> now, I will segue for one, one minute and say there was a portion of my life where I enjoyed doing that. But that was more or less because of the amount of testosterone that I had raging through my veins. And that's a little bit of like a meathead ego -y thing. You're like, you're not going deep enough in those squats, bro. You Take like, another 45 uh, off. That was that was the original Jim Troll. Yeah. Before Jim Trolling was Jim Trolling. <laughs> so now, here's my thing now. I love to work out so much. It's like my one special time of the day that no one can take away from me. And when I'm in there, y you could be honestly hammering your head in with like different mallets and stuff and I wouldn't tell you to stop. <laughs> I wouldn't. I'd say as long as you're not interfering with my workout, do it as wrong as you want. Now, if I want to use one of those fucking mallets you're using, yeah. it's <laughs> going to be an issue. I'm not stepping in. At this How point. long are you going to hit yourself with these mallets because <laughs> I need them for my exercise? Um, so I don't I do I actually don't uh, say anything anymore. I used to, but not anymore. No, now if I see something somebody doing something really crazy, I like you said, I know I look like somebody who even if I come over and I'm like, Hey, how are you? Good? Happy Monday. They're like, You fucking asshole steroid using freak. And I'm like, All right, yeah, I just want to use the treadmill, but whatever. And if I approach anybody, even if I'm trying to talk about anything, they're immediately like, 
this guy's trying to be my trainer. Okay, buddy, calm down, Mr. Trend. Like, blah, 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 whatever. So if somebody's doing something that wrong, you just videotape it and send it to your friends. That's yeah, all, well, that's all that's you can do. It's all yeah, you it's can a, do. It's a matter of also, like, who you are is going to, of course, determine how you're going to, like, present this to somebody. Because it's going to be received. I don't when mm-hmm. I, and People always think that we're joking about, like, the big steroid guys type stuff. But if you are the steroid guy, your approach has to be way different than if you're – the natural person. Now, if you're the pretty girl, like if I'm in the gym yeah. and and a girl that looks like you comes over to me and tells me I'm doing something wrong, I'm like, you know what? Why don't you show me everything? Else? Especially yeah. if like, especially if <laughs> show I'm, me the whole workout. Like if I'm doing squats and somebody with your butt comes over, like, let me show you how to squat. I'd be like, oh, I'm here to listen. I'm here. I'm like, I have a notepad and everything. When's your next leg workout? Yeah. I could probably learn some more on that day too. <laughs> Glutes, hammies. I don't know. We that's all connected. Let's get a little bit more in here. But it just doesn't make any sense to me to even try to talk to anybody at the gym about anything once you look like us. And and like right now, so like, true. I've like, oh, I'm yeah. like, you know, really out of shape, like really attributed, really weak right now. So like the other day I was in the gym again for the first time, I know. And <laughs> I swear to God, I was like looking at myself in the mirror, like literally depressed about the way I look. I'm like, man, I fucking got to quit skipping the fucking gym. I got to fucking come more every day. And the kid next to me is like, man, how do you get big like that? <laughs> and I was like, please go away. You're making me feel worse. He's like, no, really, you're fucking big. I'm like, what are you fucking seeing that I'm not seeing, man? Know. Because I don't get it. Like, <laughs> So that's what you got to remind yourself is even if you don't think you're fucking looking juiced out, you probably do. You probably yeah, look juiced you, out. You <laughs> if you've done enough juice, you look ju- juiced yeah, out. Yeah, you're definitely juicy. I, um, I, what, another thing that I don't like to do is stuff that's unique in a, in a crowded gym because somebody will be like, oh. You're doing it wrong. Well, what what will usually happen is that somebody will be like, "Oh, what 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 are you? Why are you doing it like that?" And then you're you're starting a conversation, which is another thing I don't want to do in the gym. This is just making me think. I'm thinking about my workout today, right? You know what I really hate at, at LA Fitness? I've everything. never seen this. Yes, everything, but I've never <laughs> seen this every, anywhere else. So at the Deerfield LA Fitness, where the leg equipment is, you know, you've got those um, those hack squat, reverse hack squat machines. There's a yeah. couple of them in a row. It goes leg press, leg press. Those two machines and the little hack squat in the, in the corner, right? Yeah, have you noticed that many people go in between those machines and take 45s and do shrugs? Or dips. Have you ever seen people put their arms on the bars and try to do like wide dips? That I have not seen. Yeah, so I, maybe at that gym they're not close enough, but I have seen two leg presses next to each other over it, and like the pegs are pretty close, but like not where you couldn't get your body through it. But I've literally seen people doing dips like no wide. Way. I'm like, those so are two weird. different leg machines. I was today. I almost told a guy. So I walked over. I'm like, fuck, this guy's using. I wanted to use the hack squat, right? I'm like, fuck, I want to use that hack squat. This is last night actually. And um, I'm like walking over there. I'm figuring. I'm like, oh, some of the more sets he has. Then I noticed that he's not. He he actually was taking a 45 off of the hack squat, and taking another 45 off of the reverse hack squat. And then standing there and doing shrugs. Well, because then he doesn't have to walk as far to put him back. No, he was using it as like his rest. He was putting him on the pegs and then taking him off again. So I was like, wait a minute. He's not even using either of them other than to rest the 45s on. So I like walked over. He's like, well, you can keep doing it. Just while you're resting, I'm going to leg press. And then you can use it when I'm not leg pressing. So I walked over. (laughs) I started putting 45s on the other side of the thing. And the guy was like, I had my music on. And the guy was like, he said something. I took my headphone out. And he was like... Yeah, I just have one more set. Now, no there was way. a part of me that wanted to be like, no, now you're done. Uh, but I would have I been like, like, doing what? One set of what? I, I, just, I was so perplexed by him doing it. You're not I, using I, I was machine. just like, go ahead and do it. <laughs> you're like, I'm actually going to film you. But here's what's, cra- here's what's crazy. You want a video? Here's what's fucking crazy. 
This is, this is why this you came out to me. I've been <laughs> meaning to tell you this. This is fucking great. So I've been meaning to tell you this is why this is crazy. So today. This is, wait, hold, this is not as good as the fucking story about the ice cream dude that you never told me. <laughs> you never told me that. Dude, Dave was giving me little snippets out there. I almost lost my mind. <laughs> Anyways. What did, he, what did he say? Something about him saying crazy shit to Grant. Wow! Yeah, the day before the Publix meeting. Yeah, we'll talk about that. I was like, "What the fuck? Oh my god!" Grant of all people is what makes it so funny. I I just don't even. uh, Anyways, back to the shrugs on the leg press. So anyway, so that irritated the hell out of me last night, right? So today I was doing chess this morning, and somebody was over there in between those two machines again, doing dumbbell lunges, just just static lunges, in between those machines, like in the way of everything. So I. I'm like, is this like an LA Fitness thing where people go to like a place that makes no fucking sense, excuse my language, and, and makes it so people can't really use the machines around them to do things that you could literally do anywhere else? Anywhere else. else. So today I went over and uh, I saw the guy doing it and I just like watched him for a few minutes and I was like, what the fuck is going on in here? Excuse my language. Um, I thought you were going to say... The next day when you came back, the same guy was, like, curling in the squat rack, and you just bum-rushed well, him. Well, I'm going to look now for people that do <laughs> – I've never really seen anyone do shrugs like that anyway. Like, I'm going to hold a 45 on each side, a, a plate. Well, when I first started going to the gym and that's all I could fucking do, that's what I did. But I that, was, that was 18. Oh, I get that. It's like, you know, when you're in jail, you got to curl your mattress sometimes. Yeah, but yeah. It's like you got all this other stuff in the gym to do. And you're yeah, no. That. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like when, when I was fucking 18 and I first started going to the gym and I wanted to look big when I wasn't, I would hold the 45 plates because they looked bigger than the 45 dumbbells, baby. <laughs> that's the only reason. Maybe that's why the guy was doing it. It had to be. Because that's the only justice I can see being served there. I must be it. I should have known. Well, there you go. If you're a trainer, it's nice to help, I suppose. And if he's holding two 45s in each hand, he just, he's just a badass. Yeah. <laughs> that motherfucker's There used it. to be a lift. It was called the pinch, uh, the, the, the pinch lift, and there was a pinch clean. And I do know that there was someone, uh, uh, it was a strong man, that could uh, pinch, lift, and clean uh, two 25-pound dumbbells sandwiched together. So it's just these two fingers, I believe. Pinch it up and hold it and clean it up without dropping them and having them slide apart. That's pretty crazy. That's crazy. So you use the force of those fingers. I've seen the, I've seen it when they do that when they flip the forty five. But this is if you, the way they do it is with the flat ends, so there's no grooves for you to put your fingers in. You're, oh, you're literally squeezing. Yeah, that's it's, it's like fucking an, crazy. It's like an old fashioned like strong man, like 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 let me impress the people type type thing. Strong man, that's fucking like serious grip. Fuck your shit up if yeah, you ever shake my hand, motherfucker. <laughs> Just break your whole yeah, arm. I'm pretty sure that that, that two 225s has been done. Before. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I thought you were just talking about like regular like grooved plates. No, like, literally yo, the two smooth ends. Yeah, two the, smooth, smooth fucking ends. sides of iron? Yeah. Holy shit. Somebody out there will probably research this and pull it up for us. Thank God. Thank you, Moon Cookie, if it's you. Appreciate it. All right, moving Shout on. Out. All right. <laughs> hey, guys. Hope all is well. Looking to gain some more knowledge from you all. So here's a few questions I've had. I've had and have been researching on, would like to get your takes. Number one, T4 to T3 suggested ratio. Suggested ratio as far as taking it? Dalt says. Number it, one, there's five. But is he is he asking it as far as if he's supplementing with it? Because I really don't think that you should supplement with a ratio of T3 and T4. That's what they make armor thyroid for, by the way. Maybe he's asking what the ratio would be. If you were just taking T4 well, versus just taking T3. It's considerably different because they do they have two completely different functions in the body. So 
T3 is going to act specifically just as like a, a, a calorie burning, like, like metabolism stimulator. So T4 has other very important functions in the body that regulate other hormones. So if you're going to take them both, if, if you're specifically doing it for like fat burning reasons, 25 MCGs of T3, if you wanted to get like an equal amount of, of T4, it would be like 75. It's a dramatically different number. Now, you, you can actually take Armour Thyroid, which is pig thyroid, which is a, a good blend of T3 and T4, which is very, very safe to take when you utilize the right way because it mimics your body's thyroid production a lot more than just taking something like Cytomel, which is just T3, or specific like Levoxythyroid, which is Synthroid. These are completely different medications. So many doctors, if you have a, a, an underactive thyroid, will, will prescribe the Levoxythyroid, which is Synthroid. That's really more T4. Now, if you have a completely fine thyroid and you're just looking to be able to eat way more food and burn way more, more fat, you would probably specifically just go to T3, which is your Cytomel type of medications. But all these, these things, are, honestly, guys, are, are I've said before that I love T3 and I do. Basically, if I'm going to get lean, I'm going to be on T3. That's, I'm not on T3 right now. And I'm fairly lean. But like when you guys see me pull it down for my photo shoots and whatnot, I don't use any clan. I hate clan. And I, I don't like to be crazy when it comes to stimulant fat burners. When I was young, I liked ECA stack a lot. Uh, but I typically I increase my T3. But I also manipulate my diet with the T3. Uh, because your thyroid will work more efficiently when you're throwing more at it in the means of rotated carbs, cycling. I can waste a lot of all of our time on the answer to this question because, like, it's just making me think of other things. For okay, instance. so the overall question, <laughs> the overall question is that, or the overall answer is that T four and T three do completely different functions in the body, and there's really no suggested ratio to compare them together. What if the question it is? It would be like a, a four to one T four to 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 T three. Okay. So what if the question is for somebody taking both? You can, but you would like, like I said, it'd be like a four to one. So if you're taking twenty five MCGs of t3 you'd want 75 or 100 of the t4 okay which is an, a fairly aggressive dose in my opinion but i've seen people do it and then just time. apply that to if you were taking one or the other i really don't know why i guess unless they're trying to mimic normal homeostasis people would want to make that blend because going about that blend it's like it's basically saying okay my thyroid works fine i'm going to shut it off and and put Turn this, it back on put this in instead um right like those those medicines are typically prescribed when the thyroid's not working. It's right. already off. Yeah. So, so I actually have my own fucking ask PJ Brown question from that question. So I don't fucking know anything about thyroid medications or anything like that. But that's fucking you know one thing that everybody always says to me about putting on muscle. Oh, you must have a super fast metabolism. Fucking thyroid must be overactive. Whatever, yada yada. So if everybody takes T three, T four, all the shit to speed theirs up to lose weight. Why can't I just fucking take something up to speed mine up to, to slow mine down? So, in theory, what they may do is they actually may put you on T4 because if they put you on the right dose, you would essentially shut your thyroid off, off and have it then working at the right program dose based on the medicine. Okay. True. Hmm. Sounds good. I don't remember when we read your, your blood work, though, if we saw anything abnormal with your thyroid. I thought it was fine. No, it was, it was all in range. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why it's still a mystery. <laughs> All right. So will HCG make a significant difference if used on cycle to enhance receptors? No, no. In fact, although it is often recommended by doctors to use it on cycle, I think that unless you're going to be on a cycle for more than a year, that it is best to be used off cycle. And most of those doctors have never experimented with their own balls anyways. Nope. So they don't fucking know. Number four, popular hardening compounds besides Anivar. 
Um, everyone hates when I answer this like this, but there is nothing that actually makes you harder or leaner. It's all designed with exception to something like halotestin, which is not anabolic enough to build muscle. It's all designed to build your muscle. It's just a matter of what are the other side effects that go with this muscle building, something like testosterone. It's designed to make you bigger. You may have a little bit of water retention. You could have aromatization going on. You have these things happen, but everything that's out there is going to blow all your minds. It all started at testosterone. They took testosterone and they separated it and they created all these other things. It's all designed to make you bigger. So when people will say what can make you harder, people take halotestin when they're close to a contest because they're already at a very low level of body fat, all right? They're suffering and it's boosting their androgen levels so they can push themselves harder and when you're pushing harder at that low of a level of body fat, your physique starts to look drier and harder because the muscles are, are really bulging out. So you could take that halotestin out. You'd still be the same level of body fat. You just wouldn't have the same look. It's the same thing when people take anti-estrogens or aromatous inhibitors. You're taking these things, which are not even steroids. They're, they're just different medications right. that are going to either make the, the estrogen non-existent or they're going to prevent these excess androgens from aromatizing and converting into estrogen. Well, estrogen is going to bind with all these different receptors in your body and hold fat and water there. So if you eliminate the ability for the estrogen to be grasping onto the receptor, all that fat and water has to go away. That is going to elicit a much harder looking physique. So those are the things that make your physique look hard. Now, everybody will tell you the trend makes you bigger, faster, stronger, and it kind of does. No, I just want the hardener. <laughs> just give me the hardener. Stop you're, bullshitting you're, me. You've got to be dieting the right way when you do all these things. No, nah, no, nah, give me the hardener. Um, chosen one is what he's referring to. It's now. the hardener. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, a friend that, that worked for the company that um, never learned the name of the chosen one, and he would tell everybody to take it. And he worked for us, which is <coughs> sad, but he, he, would, he, would, he would recommend the hardener. And people would be like, what's the hardener? I, I'm supposed to be taking the hardener. And I'm like, it's not called the hardener. It's called the chosen one. But he, yeah, I guess he believed that it was called the hardener. Yeah, because he would just tell us to send him more hardener <laughs> all the time. Um, and you know how you, you started that by saying everybody hates when you answer it like this. But in reality, if you hate when he answers that question like that, Go get your information from somebody who doesn't want you to have the right fucking knowledge because it's it's true. It's it's he's telling just, you what's real. Everyone wants to just take a pill and be like, boom, boom, I look like fucking I'm Zeus. Shredded. Everyone thinks Winston all gets their stuff so shredded, which is funny. I've gotten on stage shredded on D ball before, which most people be like, that's not possible. Shredded. I have though. It's just a matter of you've got to have your diet and everything else in place the right way. Yeah, I just I I think it's it's funny when people want. Because I wouldn't even call Anavar a hardener. It's not. You doesn't doesn't make sense. Like there's so many terms in fitness that just don't make sense. Like, like bro, bro, your girlfriend uses the hardener. That's what I tell guys in the gym. And She's using <laughs> your girlfriend's my hardener. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it just doesn't like like when you when you hear like girls say like oh, I really want to tone. What the fuck does that mean? What the fuck are you talking about? Like, that doesn't make sense. So it's just one of those things that, like, yeah, they might not like it, but the reason you don't like it is because it's not what you want to hear. That's, yeah. all, that's all it is. Mm -hmm. You just don't want to hear it. I wish that I could I could just prescribe us one pill that did all that, but it's your diet. We all would be taking it. Mastron's another <laughs> one. I, I All these fat guys are on Mastron. No offense to all the fat guys that are on Mastron right now, but all these fat guys are on Mastron because they're like, Mastron gets you hard. So if you're, if you're a fat guy on Mastron and you took offense to that, Probably just understand that not poking fun, just don't fucking do that. 
Like, can, no big deal. Just stop taking the Sign Mastron. out for the BPJ. There's a diet that comes. There's in just no big deal. Just stop taking the Mastron. Pointless. Um, all right, number five. As heard on the last podcast, the hack squat seems to be a popular option. I recently converted, and the back relief is much better than standard squats. I'm curious, is a hack squat machine will build some fairly good wheels? I was also bitter the shaker cups were listed under apparel, under apparel for the past sale. I thought I was going to load up on $5 shaker cups. Thanks for the content and support, y'all. It really is a great resource that I depend on to learn as I go. Oh, good. Thank you. So his question is, will the hack squats build the muscle the right way? Will... I'm curious if the hack squat machine will build some fairly good wheels. Absolutely. I feel that specifically for the quad that you can overload that muscle far better with the, the hack squat than with a regular back squat. Far better. Steph, do you want to interject anything on that one? No, I think so too. It's just, you know, with the back squat, you can only go so far and then like you don't have anyone to assist you with it either. So if you want to go heavier on the hack squat, you can because mm -hmm. if you fail, like the machine's going to catch Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Right. So that, and I mean, like there's just something about putting the same amount of weight on a bar versus the machine that's just so much fucking sketchier in your mind, your central nervous system. The thing is, this is why glute bridges got so fucking popular because we talked about this in the video today, is you're taking that aspect of balancing the bar on your on the, on the back out of the way. But as far as the stress on the posterior chain, you can, you can overload that, that muscle and not have to worry about ba balancing something on your neck, basically. Right, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and, and you can actually develop a, develop a lot of power back there. It's not even, I mean, yeah, it is about balancing it on your neck, but it's, it's fucking everything in your entire, mm -hmm. your ankles. Yeah. You, you can have a fucked up ankle and fuck your shit up on the, squats. A squat is a, so it, it was regarded as like the king of all exercises, right? And I guess maybe, I suppose, depending on the position that we're taking in the discussion, it is. But the squat, there's so many things that go into the squat, right? So it's like, if you said, what, PG, what's like one exercise that I could do where I would really stimulate a lot? Well, then I guess I would say the squat there. But if you said, what's the best way to build my quads or what's the best way to build my glutes not or squat. my hamstrings, I, for me, it would not be the, the squat. No. It wouldn't be. And, and I think it's, it takes people a lot to get that. Typically, the people that are going to put this kind of information out are the ones that have had the most... I guess study and uh, with the study, the actual practical application of the exercises too, to form their opinions on it. The people that don't are, are typically more of the bro sciencey people that are like squats are hard. They must be the best, you know? Mm -hmm. So you have to open your minds a little bit guys and, 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 and learn a little more. Now I'm not discrediting the squat, you know, at all, but you kind of look at the squat versus the bench press versus the deadlift and the progression of those exercises over the years, the squat has actually come the, 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 the least far mm -hmm. because there's just only so much a man can do with a giant fucking amount of weight on the back of his neck. Whereas, you know, differences in, you know, function and, and form and whatnot have increased the deadlift quite a bit. And the bench has gone up like crazy. The bench has gone up like crazy. Part of that is the equipment. But, um, you know, it's just I don't look at things from a matter of how hard can this exercise be to make the muscle work? I look at it as how hard can I make this muscle work with the exercise? That's a completely yeah. different mindset. Yeah. It's so funny too, because after the flex podcast, I went and tried to do that 20 rep workout, whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, I thought I came close to like doing it. And then the other night when I was doing Legion work and I, I was playing the podcast, I realized it was six sets of 20, not four. <laughs> Fuck that. Holy shit. I was dying on four yeah. sets of 20. Yeah, I'm doing a lot. Fucking dying. Yeah, and then I, I rewatched yeah, it. He's like, yeah, six sets of 20. I was like, what fucking crack do you smoke before you go and do legs? Like, <laughs> Jesus, dude. Where'd you see the workout she did today? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm curious to see. <laughs> um, next question says, hey, PJ, 
Season's greetings from Dublin, Ireland. Okay. First off, I want to congratulate you on your business, your bodybuilding career, and yourself for being such an inspiration while staying true and humble to yourself and your beliefs. It is truly awesome, and I'm a huge fan. Thank you. Your podcasts are immense, and I feel like when I listen to them that I've already met you. It's weird because I preach a lot about what you believe in and practice, like the ketogenic diet. I've not tried any of your supplements, nor am I looking for handouts, bro, so don't worry. I'm actually writing to ask you if you've ever thought about putting together a mass builder in keto form. This is something I've been looking into for a while, and to my knowledge, nobody has done it yet. My background itself is a master's in sports performance at Edinburgh University. I've trained for 10 years, mostly natural, but I've taken PEDs when competing. I've coached an Arnold Classic, an Arnold Class South Africa winner amongst other national champions here in Ireland, but most importantly, I'm a bodybuilding fan since as long as I can remember. <clears throat> I eat, sleep, and you know what in this sport, and it's my passion, my life, and what inspires me. Anyways, I've got a couple of ideas about a keto builder and would like to think would like to think what your thoughts would be on such a product. Once again, congrats on everything. You're truly an inspiration to all the dreamers out there like me who think big. Regards, Steve H. P.S. I just sent you a recent pic of me so you can put a name to the face. Take care, bro. Um. So what is the question? Um, have you ever mass thought builder. about a keto mass okay, builder? Okay, so, oh, I know, I know him. Um, well, I won't say that I haven't thought of it, but I couldn't see why it would really make sense because most people on keto aren't are trying to shred. The, the 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 design of the ketogenic diet was first really to control epileptic seizures, but eventually people realized that you could you could utilize your own body's fat as energy when when this diet was done the right way but here's the thing to 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 have a diet designed for mass there has got to be a a influx of calories so you're taking in more calories essentially than you're able to burn and when you take in enough fat calories even if you're just eating the fat and protein which would essentially be the keto version of a mass diet your, your body is going to start converting the excess fat into a glycogen-like source. And I don't know how you would really be able to get around that. Um, it's called uh, gluconeogenesis is what it's called. And your liver is going to just start processing these fats as carbs again. And you may have ups and downs in blood sugar when you do that, which is the, essentially the reason why you do the ketogenic diet is to not have that happen. So I don't know that it would really work efficiently. I mean, you could be in a caloric surplus where you would be taking more calories than you're burning, but you might just start really feeling off and having those ups and downs in, in blood sugar. So for that reason, I don't know that it would truly work the right way. Um, now you, I guess, could try. I'm sure to an extent you could, you could take in enough fat calories where you're still growing and feeling okay and, and, and not having any issues, but I, I don't know that it would be optimal just simply because of what the function of that diet is for. I hope that answers the question the right way. Um, so you got anything on that one, Steph? No, I just feel like, I don't know when I've tried keto in the past, I was just extra hungry. So I don't yeah. want to drink anything to, I don't know. I'd prefer volumes of food instead of, you know, having to drink something yeah you'd have to see that i don't know i i think that if you if you let's say you wanted to get condensed calories in in a ketogenic format you could probably get a lot of calories in just via things like olive oil coconut oil mm -hmm. things like that but i don't know that you would really feel that good 
With just a bunch of calories from fat. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose that it could be done. I mean, there's probably somebody out there that's fairly jacked. It's like, all you eat is fat. And there's probably some people out there, like maybe me, that it would work really good for, but it wouldn't work for the majority of people. I don't know that it would truly be optimal, though. Yeah. Um, um, it's funny because when you said about keto being originally developed for seizures. So I know I've told you recently about my best friend Ryan developing very bad epilepsy this year. Oh, you did tell me that, yeah. And we finally think we may have figured out that it may have had something to do with him switching to a more vegan diet. Interesting. Like, so he went vegan. Well, so his girlfriend, my good friend for many, many years since high school, Chelsea, has always been very, like, new age hippie. And... <laughs> always was like into eating like organic and stuff like that. And this year went super hardcore into eating only vegan. And he didn't necessarily want to, but because she's always doing it, he kind of just like does it with her because she cooks all the time. And she's a really good, really good cook. And she takes all the time to, to make everything vegan. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, fuck it. She's going to take all the time to make everything vegan from scratch. I might as well just eat it. So he's been eating a basically all vegan diet for most of the year. And the seizures have been getting worse and worse and worse. And come to find out that a vegan diet is actually the worst diet for epilepsy. It's all carbs. And ketogenic is the best. And since he's been eating red meat and everything since like that again, he said he's been feeling much better and he hasn't had another seizure. That's great. So like Uh, that blew my mind when he said that. Stephanie went vegan for a short period of time. It was awful. (laughs) How long? Seven days? No, we were. Gosh. Okay. So it wasn't. Okay. So my boyfriend explains it to me. He's like, it wasn't true vegan because... I would my protein was really high. What sources of protein were you getting? Chicken and fish. Oh, you and, still were, you still were eating chicken. And fish. Yeah, I was okay. still eating fi- chicken and fish, but the fats were like super high. So you were a vegetarian basically. More or less, I guess. Is that well, you would consider that, right? I mean, so, but I was told no, I was vegan. So, I, was like, I don't no, think so. So if you're eating chicken and fish, you could be considered a vegetarian. To be truly vegan. I'm sorry, vegan. not vegan. I'm so sorry. I thought you were talking about keto. No, no. Ha, just kidding. Can no, you do vegan a, did, was awesome. Yeah, yes, you did I a did stretch vegan. of vegan. Yes, Tell us about that. Oh, so was, now we're okay, switching see, positive. Sorry, my the workout just killed me. So. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, She's like, I'm just still thinking about how bad my glutes hurt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, vegan, I went for seven days. And it was it was fine. Like I pretty much ate, um, yeah. I didn't eat any fish. I didn't eat any chicken. No dairy. Um, so my protein sources were tofu. I always pronounce this one wrong. Sayatin, um, beans, and oatmeal were my pretty much my main sources of protein. But no animal byproducts. No animal ones. Yeah. No like like butter. No, nothing, nothing like that. Nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. So like seven I think days. I could do that for seven days. I could do it for seven days too. No problem. But at the end of those seven days, were you like, I'm I really want to happy to eat normal animal sources of protein again? Yeah, I had barbecue. Yeah, I, <laughs> I bet you fucking <laughs> did. Let me reward, reward myself for this. Barbecue. Like I took a fly out to uh, Louisiana and yeah. went to the Bayou. <laughs> so I mean, I pretty much like what I did was after I did that whole week of vegan. So I like. So the people that know me and have followed me on Instagram know that I have, ever since I started competing, like my menstrual cycle hasn't been on point. And then since I did that vegan week, it actually came back on. Can and I, I think, it? Yeah. And I think it was because of all the estrogen that was in the yes, tofu. Definitely. Mm. So all that soybeans Absolutely. and everything that I was really? eating just yep. kind of like set it back in. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Weird. I didn't so, know soy. I didn't know that. Yeah. Soy has mm-hmm. a, depending on who you ask, a positive or negative uh, effect on estrogen. Men will take tell you that it's negative i disagree with that um because you do want to have a little bit of estrogen in your, in your body and as a man you'd have to if you're on steroids as a man the amount of fucking soy that you'd have to take to throw anything off is is so astronomical that it's not anything to be worried about but a lot of guys would be like 
oh, soy will give you gyno and this and that. It won't. Now, for a woman, you can actually balance your hormones by taking in more soy products. It's a very, oh. Soy is a very good source of protein. Right. That's crazy. And it's like I went into it just for chits and giggles. I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to do this. And I ended up doing it, and I ended up getting my time of the month. And I was like, huh, okay, huh. cool. So, I mean, after that, I pretty much just started incorporating more of, like, a pescatarian diet. Mm-hmm. Um, not because – and, like, I still included a lot of tofu in there. But it was more of, like, I started following, like, vegan pages on Instagram, and they were put, like, the poor little sad animals. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to eat sad little animals. But nah, I eat the mean <laughs> ones. I eat those mean cows. <laughs> the mean cows. The ones that bully the other ones. <laughs> so, I mean, I – I pretty much just eat mostly like chicken and fish and I do include a little bit of tofu in there, but do you think that you could look the way that you would want to look eating a pure vegan diet? I think so. You do. My mom actually, she goes through phases where she goes vegan and that lady gets ripped. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So I think it all depends on, you know, if you're still getting your protein in and your, you can, I honestly, anyone, I have a bunch of vegan clients and they still hit all their macro ratios. So as long as you're doing that, I feel like you don't need animals to get there. Um, I don't know that you need to have the animals. Just, we're not necessarily designed to simply eat vegetables. Right. The, the, the sources of protein are, are incomplete. You can still meet the macros. Right. You still have to supplement yourself with like, like vitamin B and all that stuff. So because of There like are people the that don't levels. take the time to supplement properly mm-hmm. when they're on uh, vegan-based diets. And they, a lot of, of other health issues happen because of that. Right. Um, but I, I don't like uh, discourage people to, to wanting to be vegan. If you want to go that way, by all means, do it. You know, you just have to educate yourself on what you're doing. Right. Way. Yeah. You have to definitely supplement yourself and everything <clears throat> else for sure. Um, all right. Well, there you go. What, what, what else we got in there? Anything good? So we are uh, down to the last question who has some questions for some people in the building. So one of them is for our David. One right? of them is for David. David! Is he here still? <laughs> I hope. Did he leave? Usually he's right all this time. Yeah, we got him. So hold on, David's coming in here. We'll, we'll. Uh... All right. So our last question of the podcast is from uh, Zach Lindsay, who I actually just went. He left his Instagram, and I went to go um, look him up because I actually like his question for me to, to send him a follow. And uh, he's asking me about joining the Legion because he joined. He he applied to join the Legion, but only had like four pictures posted on a new Instagram. So I was like, Do you have a more like established Are IG? You an citizen? Yeah. Or do you have a more established IG or like anything you know like that? So. I think after after your 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 question to me, uh, I'm gonna let you in either way, just because it's a good one. So, all right, we're gonna start off here. His name is Zach. He's 22, and he says, "I have a couple questions for a few different people in the building. First off, I want to say that I love representing the brand and have loved watching the company for over the years. From the highs and lows, y'all have stayed strong and continued to make amazing products. I lost 25 pounds in the beat PJ last time, and I'm ready for the new year. After waiting to ask the podcast questions, I've figured." The 41st podcast episode would be a good place to start. They may seem lengthy, but it's important to provide the background. (laughs) So the question for David. David, I'm finishing up my mechanical engineering degree from my university, and I'm currently working for a very large company as a product development engineer. I am also working towards an MBA because I love business and have a lot of aspirations. I would love to be an engineer for five to 10 years, save money, and then transition to a manager role or business administration. I know I could always work as an engineer and make good money, have secure benefits, et cetera, but I'm always trying to make myself more marketable and valuable. I write 
Python and use MATLAB for engineering applications. How important to you is coding ability? It's the way the world is moving with IO, IoT, AI, mobility, etc. How important is it for young people to learn these skills and can you provide any beginner resources? Uh, it's definitely important for what your field is. It's more important to keep learning. Uh, it's 10 years down the road, man, like who knows what language you're gonna be using and with AI and everything, IoT, all that shit. What you know in Python now is not what's going to be necessarily there in 10 years, I mean, probably to an extent, but and if you're also going to like branch off and do your own business adventure in 10 years, coding is going to be, it, it depends where you go, it's going to be incredibly less important or it's going to be ultra important. So it's very hard to say unless you know exactly where you're going to be in 10 years. If you're going to stick in the engineering world, you should absolutely, coding should be very, like product engineering or software engineering, whatever, it's, it's critical. Vital. Yep. yep. Awesome. So the next one, yep, you out. There you go. Thank you, David. Boom. <laughs> go back to coding or whatever you smart coders do out there. <laughs> Website has a bug. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one is for me, <clears throat> which is hilarious because I definitely did not want to answer this with David in the room because I go to David for a lot of my advice on this. Okay. <laughs> he says, how do you budget? I get the vibe... <laughs> I get the vibe from your Instagram. You seem like a sporadic spender, <laughs> but maybe you do it with purpose by flipping shoes, etc. I actually don't sell any of my shoes. I buy all my shoes to wear them. There you go. I know you buy your girlfriend nice things like Gucci belts and that you wear Supreme. I listen to many podcasts on saving, investing, and budgeting, but I always ask other young people what they do. So maybe you can share a little how you handle money. I'm assuming from your time and advancement at BSL, you made a bit of money. Lastly, for fun, will the Nike Yeezy line always be better than the Adidas? It seems like people will always regard the Red Octobers as one of the goats, but clearly Kanye has done more with the Adidas line and made more shoes available for many. Personally, I love both lines and will always be a little bit more biased towards the Nike line. So I'll start off with the shoes. I can't believe this is a, a paragraph being read <laughs> on this radio show. <laughs> I'll start off with the shoes and say I love the Red Octobers, but not necessarily one of my grails. Um, if you know, I could get them for a good price, I'd probably buy them because I like Why? them. How much money are they? They're like upwards of five grand. <laughs> Seriously? It's, yeah, it's the first shoe that that uh, Kanye did with Nike. So Kanye originally was with Nike back in the day and made a couple of shoes in a couple of colorways. And Kanye wanted to keep doing more, and Nike was like, "Chill the fuck out. Wow. You're not that big of a deal." Like, you know, didn't want to give him as much power, so he left and went to Adidas. And Adidas was like, "We'll let you do whatever the fuck you want. Mm -hmm. Like, just anything you can have it. You want your name on the side, do it. Whatever." So, that is something that people pay a lot of money for if you can get them because it was only for a short period of time. And he's never going back to Nike. He hates Nike. It's never going to happen again. So if you can get a pair of those, actually, Ryan Loco has a pair. Uh -huh, how about that? Which I think were gifted to him. Really? I'm pretty It was either gifted to him or sold to him like very close to say, retail price. you know by who? I don't. Some UFC fighter? Um, so as far as how do I handle money, <laughs> not very well, to be honest. Um, I've definitely worked on it more this year and gotten, like I said, a lot of advice from David. Um, so basically, the first thing I did last year around tax season was I started a Roth IRA, uh, which was some of David's advice. And then the next thing I did was start putting away emergency fund for like, you know, one month of what it would cost me to live 
if I were to lose my job or something tragic were to happen and um, not even going to front actually just spent that on my girlfriend for Christmas. <laughs> um, so got to get that back up there. But um, yeah, basically I'm looking towards the future with like one eye kind of open slightly kind of a little and mostly just having fun with my money and I'm going to be a lot more mature. Uh, I actually was just telling Tara this earlier today that we need to start saving a lot more money every month. And um, I do have an extreme addiction to material things and it's absolutely ridiculous. It is retarded. I do not recommend anybody live the way I do because it is fucking foolish. And I have way too many shoes and I have way too many hats and I have way too many bags and I have a bunch of shit that I don't need and you don't need it either. So don't think that you do. And when you start making more money, don't start buying more things. It's so funny how you recognize it. But yeah, you still go and do I, it. Like, so that's the thing is like, do I, as he says, not as he does. I, I know everything that I do is really fucking dumb. And like, I, I see like the crazy corporate monster and the crazy like underground greed that's happened from reselling shoes and reselling like different designer and like do i think it's right no i don't do i think that you should go out and pay twelve hundred dollars for an off-white jacket fuck no do i want to really bad fuck yeah <laughs> do, like do i think it makes any sense fuck no but can i help it no i'm just as helpless of a consumer as everybody else like i see what's going on and i see how dumb it is but i can't stop it like so yeah i'm not i, I used to be like that like very superficial things were huge for me i was like oh i need a rolex i need this i need that and like i don't know i don't know after the years have gone by i've just become more of like eh, it's okay it's just a watch you're young how old are you i'm 25 yeah you're still really young i go through stages so for a while i was like when i was younger i guess like more in high school i was kind of into jewelry so i would yeah, like so save up and get like little like 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 a bracelet or like a necklace or like a pendant or like something like that mm -hmm. to try to look cool and then the next thing after that was i got really into buying extremely overpriced and expensive glass so i have like bongs uh. and so i have like ten thousand dollars in just glass that I, I basically never touch ever that just sits there that i look at all the time and i'm like this was a point in my life that i was really fucking dumb just like i am now with shoes and hats and shit that i, I can guarantee you a couple of years down the road i'm gonna look at this wall of shoes i have and be like that's really fucking dumb but it's just what i do i, I continuously go through my life with these obsessions of things that I like at the time. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not really that into it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think I spend most of my money just on like restaurants and eating out. And True. Just food. Yeah. After prep, that was all I oh. wanted to buy was just different desserts. And food. <laughs> that's, that's very normal. Like a I, lot of guys, like when they do like their first show, they started hoarding like desserts and stuff for a while. I was, I was, yeah, I, was I had an entire cabinet full of shit. Normal. I was going to eat afterwards. See, I, I was, I was, so my dad left when I was eight. And so I was raised really more by my grandpa, who's a product of the depression. So it was like hammered into me at a very young age, like the importance of saving money. So I've always been a saver and I'm very fortunate that I had that burned into me because when I went through my divorce, it was so insanely expensive that although this is a shame, had I not had my brokerage account. I would have been in much more of a jam because I actually used my brokerage account to pay off all the legal fees and all of the accounting fees. So the actual number that it came to be is going to blow people's fucking mind. I don't mind saying it at this point, but the legal and forensic accountant fees for my divorce up until January of this year were $306,000. And so I had a brokerage account that I started when I was very young, when I was 25 years old. And I finally had a little bit of extra money. My grandpa was like, 
time for you to start investing, right? And so as I got older, I started investing more. I have a financial advisor. His name is Jake Stoldi. He's brilliant. He's also been one of my best friends since I was in grade school. And I trust him a lot with, with, with my money. And we've made some aggressive moves and some conservative moves. But I was at one point taking a portion of my uh, pay every month and making sure that he was just doing what he wanted with it and took a little, little losses here and there. But for the most part, was I was more than lucky, I would say, with my, with my brokerage account. So I actually wound up in the end wiping out my brokerage account, paying off the lawyers and everything else. But I had not had that. I would have had to pull into my savings or looking for, for other places to have the money. So fortunately, rather than buying, you know, don't get me wrong, I bought some nice things over the years. I, at one point, got obsessed with cars. I still love cars the same way, but I, I realize now that as much as you love cars or, you know, some people love shoes, obviously, you know, one is going to be a little more money than the other. But, you know, if you really love cars, essentially, you, if you had the, the endless amount of money, you would want all of the cars. But in reality, obviously, making the comparison to shoes is a little bit different. But, you know, how many pairs of shoes you really need? Maybe you need one to work out and maybe one for cardio. Uh, one that looks good. Maybe you want a different color one that looks good. You don't need 50. With cars, really, if you have one that gets you everywhere you got to go, maybe... That's good. Maybe you could have a second one yeah. for uses that the first one doesn't accomplish, but anything beyond two is kind of like... I, I, for a consistent period of time, had four cars to myself, on top of the fact that my ex-wife, or wife at the time, had also two cars. So there's six cars in the wrong driveway. I mean, that's kind of silly. So I... <laughs> Spent a lot of money on cars because I loved cars, but I didn't think that I was spending outside my means. And eventually, those cars, my the Hellcat became my dad's. The SLS was sold. Um, you know, I, I to this day, this is fun, a funny thing about me. People in my circle know this. That so when I have money, I like just having it. It's not about I don't necessarily try to earn as much money as I can or budget money a certain way because I want to buy these things. I actually never really buy things. I'm weird like that. I could at one point buy anything that I wanted and I really didn't. I would often check my account just to look and see what the money looked like in there like Scrooge McDuck and I was proud of the fact that this is very important to me. We've talked about this before. I didn't get there yet. I didn't get there yet but I wanted to be in a position where I had fuck you money. And that was a goal of mine that was instilled in me by my grandpa. So my grandpa uh, drove a Toyota Camry to like 300,000 miles. And then when it finally didn't work anymore, he bought another Toyota Camry. And he wore the same pants and, and, and polo shirts for like 40 years. And I would often say to him, why don't you like buy a nice car? You know, like why don't you get a new watch or why don't you get some new clothes? And my grandpa would say, because the things that I have do the same things as those new things. And when you have the kind of money that I have, you don't care because you can say fuck you to anybody that you want. It doesn't matter. You can pay your way out of it. And I was like, huh. So that's how you think about it. And he was like, yep, no one can tell me anything. I can say fuck you to whoever I want. And I don't have to worry about it. He's like, when I die, you guys will have all the money. <laughs> he really does say this. He was like, but I've lived my life this way so I could be in that position. And so I, in my head, I was like, I kind of want to be in that position. I'd like to be in a position where I had enough money. Where if somebody was like, hey, man, you can't do this, or I need you to do this, I can say, fuck you, I'm going to do whatever I want. And I have to worry about it. My lawyers will pay for it because I got the money to pay for them. So that was a goal of mine. I wanted that fuck you money status. I, every now and then I'll hear like a rapper say, fuck you money, and I think it's funny like that, you know. Your grandpa it's, it's, it's was a, It's a term that's obviously been around for a while. That's something to me. When you have fuck you money, here's the thing. People say money doesn't buy happiness, right? It kind of does, but let's, let's talk about that another time. So people say that money doesn't buy happiness, but what it does do for the most part, 
is to buy security. And there's a lot to be said about that because when I had a lot more money, I felt very secure in my life, payments for bills, house, all these things. When you don't have that security, it could come down to something as small as your mom got into a really bad car accident and she needs an emergency surgery and you know the insurance isn't gonna cover it. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna, are you gonna be able to pay $10,000 so your mom could have this emergency surgery or are you gonna be like, fuck it, I don't have the money? I would never wanna be in that kind of position. Now that's of course a very dramatic hypothetical situation but you understand the point that i'm making i want to be able to say here's 10 grand make sure my mom gets that surgery right this happened one time with their dog to be honest with you my parents were in a bad spot i was in a good spot and their dog wrecked its leg and it needed a very expensive surgery it was a few thousand dollar surgery and my parents were were really struggling at the time i gave them an envelope with a few thousand dollars and i said fix your dog's leg and i felt very proud in the sense that it was the, I was able to do that. I had the security to know that I could do this and it won't affect me in a bad way. So that's something that I think when you budget money the right way, there are different levels of fuck you money. One person's level may be completely different than another's, but that security that you get when you're in that mindset, it comes from budgeting money. And that's a really, really nice place to be in because what if you're like, all right, I really want these these sneakers so bad, but I have to put this much money aside this week, and then hopefully I'll be able to get it if we have a good month this week. Yeah, you could do that, and you can live on the edge like that, and, and maybe you'll, you'll really like appreciate these rewards when you get them, but what if you got to the point where you budgeted money really hard for a year, and then you were like, you know what, I'm going to just buy 10 of the pairs of shoes that I really wanted last year because it's not going to affect me bad to buy them. That, that's where the budgeting aspect of it really, really comes in handy. That's something I feel that I've always excelled at. I'm trying to... <laughs> Uh, teach Marissa uh, a little bit about that now. But she's I'm maybe you can older. have her teach Tara. I'm a lot older, and also girls these days. Steph, put you in on this because you're around the same age as them. There is this this whole like movement that's not new. It's been going on for a little while now. But women, there's a big thing with women nowadays where they're like, I don't want a guy to pay for shit for me. I want my own money, and I get that. I do. We support it too. Uh, <laughs> see, I'm very old fashioned though, and and the way that I was raised, my grandpa also instilled this in me that the head of the house, typically the man is supposed to be the head of the house. He's supposed to provide for everybody else. However, if the woman wants to contribute to whatever level, that's an awesome like extra kick. But now there's a thing with women now where they're like, I don't want you to provide anything for me. I don't need that. I can do it all on my own. And that's it, weird. In a, in, a, in a way, that's honorable, but it's also like, why? That's weird. Why? So uh, Marissa is very proud in the sense that she like works hard, makes her own money. So she's like, I want to pay for all my own stuff always. And I'm trying to teach her that I can help her budget money more if she lets me pay for certain things that make sense. <laughs> right. And she doesn't have to worry about it. Yeah. So. It no. just, yeah, I mean, from what it seems, it's just, she doesn't want to seem like she's taking advantage of you. And I know that. I know so, that. But I've actually dated other girls that were like that, too. And I we support that, that too. to them as well. <laughs> <laughs> we support the non-gold digger movement as well. <laughs> yeah, well, because everyone knows I've also been with the ones that were like, no, you can actually pay for everything, including the stuff that you don't want to pay for. Even the stuff that, like, once I haven't seen you for eight months, yeah. I can go and bond it. You can buy me a whole closet worth of clothes that I'm not even going to take the tags off of. Hells, yeah. <laughs> Sign me up, shit. <sighs> A bunch of the girls in here got free clothes out of that deal. Mm. Go shopping in PJ's. Not Tara. Closet. Tara did not take a single item. I know that. <laughs> um, but the uh, don't don't buy any fucking shoes. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's loop this all around. <laughs> um, 
All right, lastly, question for PJ. In the last podcast episode of 2017, a question was asked, what is the state of Blackstone Labs? Essentially asking to recap the year, talk about new stuff, etc. So I ask the same question again, since this will be the last episode of 2018. From my perspective in 2018, I saw Isocream, The Legion, Prominent Athletes in BSL Part Ways, DMAA Battle, a few new products and some awesome videos and podcasts. Can you touch on all of this? Did the industry bounce back from a bad 2017? What about the products you mentioned last year, like in Essentials Line, Equalizer, etc.? I saw some. Sorry. I saw some DMAA and other supplements in November. Is it coming back? What's happening with Blackstone in 2019? Excited for another year. Keep up all of the hard work. I feel like that was like the beginning of like a whole fucking movie. It was. This <laughs> <laughs> Sunday. What will the Avengers be up to next week? <laughs> well. What I would love if somebody takes the time, not Eric, uh, but I know one of my trusty listeners out there will find the soundbite of how I answered this question last year because I don't remember. But I will tell you this. This year I have described as a rebuilding <coughs> year for Blackstone Labs. And if I didn't say that we were going to be going into that last year, perhaps I was drunk. Um, <laughs> but... It's very, I'm in a very interesting spot in my life because I'm watching my time hop every day because we're getting close to the point where I went off the deep edge last year. Oh, so you will remember. A lot of other people won't. I remember it like fucking yesterday. It's coming up. It's coming up because January 3rd was the fateful day when I signed that monstrous check over that caused me to drink excessively for like three to weeks. To be honest, it had already happened at this point because it was about the weekend before Christmas that it like I knew <clears> – <throat> Shit was heading off the rails. Like I think that I, um, I think that I had like this like moment where I maybe told myself that it wasn't going to be that bad because I. It's very interesting for me to watch my time hop right now, and it will be for the next few weeks because we're getting to the point where I disappeared and then ended up in the hospital. So that that date, by the way, guys, I got out of the hospital January twenty sixth. So. Obviously, we're coming to New Year's. So you, were, you were just long enough to miss my birthday last year. Don't think, don't think that's nah. don't think you're disappearing again <laughs> this year, motherfucker. Oh no! So this will be very telling because the way that I answered this question last year, I'd like to hear it. Um, because I don't think that I thought I was going to end up in the hospital shortly after that. So, and I don't remember how much I spoke of the divorce or anything else. To be honest with you, in this podcast last year, because we were only on like podcast number five at this point last year. I believe it was number five. It came up in my time hop recently. Really? I believe the Christmas podcast was How many podcasts five. did you do with Chris Heron before I took his job? Two, maybe? Two, was it? Yeah. And then I, and then I sat in because he was sick, and then everybody was like, don't bring the other guy back. Yeah, that is exactly, exactly what Let happened. it be feasy forever. Sorry, Chris. We haven't talked about that in a while. But let's feasy see if there's any in my time hop right now. So I can give you a much different answer this year. I can get into a lot of accuracies to everything this year. I don't know, but I fucking love that of all those things that he named, the second thing was the Legion. Oh, we're going to talk about all that. that so, fucking, yeah, baby. There's been a lot of, of differences in the company this year. So let's go. I'll, I'll, I'll run you through a timeline. Like, we'll imagine there's like a, a, a timeline of month-to-month events that, that we can go through for this year. So January of this year, I signed away the basically all the rest of the money that I had worked my entire life for to my ex-wife. And at that point, I went into a depression and started drinking like crazy and 
drunk myself to alcohol poisoning, the hospital, and a near-death experience. Um, now, when I had that near-death experience, I fortunately for myself and for my family that loves me and wants me here, I was smart enough to take a look at my life and realize that I have a lot more to live for and that this company has a lot riding on me. And so I set out as a man on a mission to build back what I, I don't, I don't, I can't say that the company was wrecked because of me. The company was wrecked because of the FDA raid. We got raided by the FDA and then got our ass kicked that year. So going into this year, you know, we're still feeling the pain of the FDA because we lost a million dollars of product. When you lose a million dollars of product, you're in a hole no matter what. Because not only do you have to spend a million dollars to get the product back, you've got to wait for it to come. And while you're waiting for it to come, you have nothing to sell. So you're already in a million dollar hole and then you're waiting for all this stuff to make money. So you're going to get behind that much more. And we got the bank account seized, $259,000 that was sitting in there at the moment. So not only are we out of all the product, but we're out of the money to, to go buy more. So, so to get through that last year was brutal. And many companies would have gone out of business had we not had the resources that we had. Also, had we not have the awesome partner that I have with Jared Wheat, who was basically like, look, I'm going to front you guys products so you can freaking start selling again and get us back moving again, pay me back when you can type of situation. So that was, was truly instrumental and, and pivotal in this, 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 this year of building back for this company. So as we, we move ourselves along, by the time the Arnold came along, right, I was really, really firing on all cylinders. And people who had seen me were, were hugging me and saying, damn, you're like getting back to the old PJ from a couple years ago and you look so healthy and you look alive. And, you know, the biggest portion of it was that I had not had a drink of alcohol, you know, since I got out of the hospital. I had not missed a workout. Since I got out of the hospital, I had not missed a session of cardio. I had not, you know, missed anything. I was just in a, in a, in a zone to get back to my happy place that I was before my divorce. Now, I also was putting a lot of pressure on myself because I felt that the company's success rides on me and that if I am not going to be successful, then it's going to hurt everybody that's underneath me that I care about a lot. And I love Blackstone Labs so much. I started it as a goal to make some side money. But after my first year, I realized, or maybe Aaron, I should say, realized first, this can be something really, really huge if you put all your time into it, PJ, was what he said. And I did not necessarily want to because I loved coaching so much. I had so many clients and I felt that I was the best at it. And I said, well, you're asking me to stop doing something that I'm the best at to, to take a chance. And he was like, look, if the chance that you take doesn't happen, just go back to coaching again. But I'm telling you, I think that this can be huge. And sure enough, it was. So now we get to where we are now. I have this thing that I started, you know, myself in this this room and it grew it into this this monstrous company with, you know, at the time, 40 people working for it. And we started getting really behind putting me back out there again and saying, everybody, hey, Blackstone Labs is here. Peter's not going any, anywhere. Let's let's do some fun contests. Let's make some things happen. Let's grow an ambassador program. Let's do all these different things. Then around around the Olympia or close to the Olympia was a very, very important moment in the life and the future of Blackstone Labs. A person that necessarily wasn't invited here but had a very important role, I, I, I should say, said this company 
is not profitable enough. This company is designed to be working around 20 plus million dollars in sales and it doesn't do that anymore. Some changes need to be made. And that was a wake up call for me because I realized this person, whether I wanted to admit it or not, was right. And so we, we, we basically downsized some, some areas where sadly I had some friends that I was kind of paying, in essence, almost to be my friend. And not saying that they didn't have important roles in the company, but some of the people that were here really weren't doing all that much. They, we truly didn't need them. We just liked having them around. And I didn't want to take that pay away from them. But you know, we had people here that were, were thriving in those positions, doing a bunch of other things too. So we, we, we restructured the company, who was doing what, how it was being done. And interestingly enough, what happened was that the company started performing so much better that when we did that, this is a fact, we had our best month ever in September. Then we beat it in October. Then we beat it again in November. So that is monstrous. We made these changes. We actually sh- shrunk down the staff, changed some some positions around, and got this thing firing like crazy. Now, while all of this has been going on, the Legion has been growing into something very, very unique. Now, at one point, we had a segregation between what the athletes program was and what the Legion program was. They were very different. We realized that the athletes program was really bleeding money out of this company. So a lot of people were like, oh, you made some big decisions to leave some big athletes behind. But I don't know that I look at it like that. I just decided that I had to do what was best for the company. And what's best for the company is to have people in position that are, are going to be creating a profit, not just sucking money out of the company. So anybody that's not with the company anymore, for the most part, are people that were only taking money from the company. And I don't mean that in a negative way at all. It's just simply the numbers are numbers. So what we did was we sat down and we decided to do something that nobody had ever done before, but we took a program that could be considered an ambassador program, could be considered an affiliate program, could be considered an athlete's program. We combined it all together and we created an influence program that is based around levels of influence, but also rewarding people for doing the work that we expect them to do. And this has now grown into something that has a lot of camaraderie, has a lot more people wanting to be a part of it, and is now fueling a lot of the sales and marketing behind the company. And in next year's end of the year podcast, you'll probably hear me saying, look how many companies have their own version of a legion. Now there's a bunch that have already started. They don't have as cool a name. See them every fucking day. They've even bitten off of our names a little bit. Yeah. You know, we see it. Sorry, um, they ain't going to have no kernels, though. No, they definitely won't. Um, and so that has been something that, once again, we set a trend for this industry. We also put out a couple of cool products. The coolest one is Halo Elite. Hands down. The Halo Elite is Phytoandrogens. one of the top five, and I'm going all the way back to the beginning, best products we've ever put out. You know, I'm not going to say it's better than Super Trend, which was essentially trend blown in a pill. No, but it's the best natural product ever. 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 And we're probably going to really, really blow up from this product. And I had this conversation with Steve at Natural Body. And he was like, you know what, man? He goes, guys like you. He was comparing me to, to Jack from uh, VPX, right? He's like, guys like you that just won't go away. He's like, you always have something that just blows up. And I was like, it's going to be Halo Elite. I've never met anyone. And I can't say that for anything else. That was like, I don't, I get nothing out of Halo Elite. Not met anyone that said that yet. And I've said this before. If you think that, just take take two more. Take yeah. two more than you took before. Go to the gym and lift weights. So 
natural body, they have access to all of the best supplements in the world. Of course, I like to believe that mine are, but guys, there's other companies that make good stuff too. So they have access to all these things there, right? When I was there that day, the entire staff that was there is using Halo Elite. And I was like, that's really cool. And they were all raving about it. So one of the kids that had a really good physique that was working there, he was like, I think it's like a game changer. And I'm like, have you tried six? He said, no. I said, I'll send you a free bottle just so you can see. And um, that's a, a product that I'm so proud of that we're actually going to sample it. We never sample pill-based products ever because you can't taste it. You know? You're know, you just going to take these pills and see what happens. Well, with these pills, you're going to take them and you're going to have an awesome workout, guaranteed. So I'm going to make these samples and put these in the hands of everybody. And I believe this product is going to really, really blow up. And everybody's going to want a piece of Halo Elite. So it's a very, very exciting product. We've got some really cool products. You know, Glyclog is my favorite. We should, staple awesome. those, we should staple those samples to Legion Flyers. We should. It's a good idea. Yep. Um, now, there's some products that are in the pipeline coming out, like Arson, which will be the strongest fat burner that you can get. It's essentially going to be like a pill version of Dust X. It's DMHA-based fat burner. Very cool. We've got our Letro coming out. Very, very strong anti-estrogen. Jared is tinkering away at SST1, which may not happen for a long time. Just like Equalizer still hasn't happened yet. It is coming. They are both coming. The reason that they aren't being released yet, guys, is to get them to work the right way with the liposomal technology, it just hasn't been achieved yet. It's been achieved in the sense that the products have been completed. They just aren't staying stable long enough for them to do what we want them to do in the body. I think Jared had told me something about the SST1 where he'd got it to stabilize for like an hour. But, you know, realistically, he wants it to be stabilized for 10, 12 times more than that. So you can take this and really get those GH-like effects out of it. So it's, it's moving in the right direction. So going into 2019, most of the stuff that needed rebuilding this year has been built and put in place. And now in 2019, we'll be able to really climb on the things that we built back up. And we're, we're very excited about that. There's going to be a lot more international stuff. You guys saw me travel a lot this year internationally you'll see even more of that going forward you're going to see cooler contests you're going to see more prizes in the contest and we just finished the year with a cyber bodybuilding contest we only had 29 people that, that stuck it out we had 79 star only 29 submitted videos but these people are going to win thousands of dollars you know like you're never going to be able to go onto a an amateur bodybuilding stage and walk away with thousands of, of, of dollars but we we're giving that to you and we're giving away a corvette you know, we're doing a lot of really neat things that we'll continue to do in 2019. And we are, we are really creating something more than just a company that sells supplements. And I think we've already created it, but we're creating a community of people. Some of us have different <clears throat> objectives than others, but for the most part, we all just really love fitness and working out and the industry. And we want to surround ourselves with other people that have these passions because we're just trying to be the best that we can be. And that's what it's all about. And it's, it's a pretty cool supportive group of people that want to see everybody else do the best that they can be. Some of them are a little bit annoying and you know who you are out there. You know who you are. And so does everybody else knows who I'm talking about right now. No, I think too. the worst part it's is that they joke. probably don't know it's who they are. <laughs> that's the <laughs> worst part. <laughs> Um, I have made some some really cool friends out of the Legion. I got some nice Christmas presents that I wouldn't have thought I would even get. Thank you to everybody that so sent me nice. a fucking Christmas yeah. present. So nice. I wouldn't. I couldn't like even believe that I would like be in a position where I put out products that people like so much that they want to basically hang out with our crew and and even send me presents for Christmas because they're so thankful 
you know, to be a part of the circle that we're in. I think that's just truly amazing. It blew my mind how many people from the Legion that I've never even shaken their hand thought of me for Christmas and sent me something for Christmas. I, Thank I, you to it's everybody. Amazing. So for the last podcast of 2019, you know, I can tell you guys that you'll see a lot of consistency with the podcast, although we, we did a pretty good job this year. I mean, it, we were only at five episodes at this time last year, and this is episode 41. Well, you're going to see a lot of consistency with the podcast, but you're also going to see some major changes that we think you guys are going to really fucking love. I'd like to see growth with the podcast. So the podcast, I don't, I don't think that it's stagnant. I think that we have a core group of people that listen to it no matter what. And they all say the same thing. This podcast is so good. More people need to know about it. So yep. I, I'd like to see the podcast grow. I, I have received very, very nice compliments about the podcast. But I think that most people who have listened to it or like Stephanie participate in it, they, they will usually say like, wow, that was a fun time. Like it's a cool show. You guys talk about good stuff. It's, it's entertaining as much as it is educational. There's a lot to it that I find that people in the, in the fitness industry, when they listen to, they really like it. And I'd like to, to be able to get that out in front of more people. Absolutely. And I think that um, we are, are getting a better understanding of what you guys like and don't like with the podcast. And, you know, we love all your questions. Keep them coming. Even, you know, the ones that have been submitted a million times. You know, if you haven't watched all 40 episodes or whatever, you haven't seen us answer it. Don't feel bad asking us the same question over and over again. You know, it's it's you that keeps mm -hmm. the podcast alive. Absolutely. So be on the lookout for that growth. And uh, we could not be more ecstatic to have Stephanie in here for the last podcast of 2018. Thank you for coming and being with us today. Did you tell all of your followers to listen to the podcast? Yes. And then once like it comes out, I'm definitely going to keep promoting it. For so sure. it'll actually be out uh, tomorrow, right, Eric? So the, the podcast will be out tomorrow afternoon and the video. So if they want to watch you talk, which a lot of people do for, for whatever reason, they want to watch <laughs> us talk. will be on YouTube probably like Monday-ish sometime. Uh, Wednesday, it's New Year's. I forgot. It. Uh, we'll we'll um, be closed for the holiday again. This, this, this whole like. On Wednesday we'll be closed? No, Wednesday we'll be back. Okay. Normally the videos say. go out on Monday, but we'll be off yeah. again for the stupid holiday. Yeah. No, we had we had a four day weekend, came to work for three days, and then had it's like so four day weekend. it's like pointless. Like today does not feel like a Friday. Does uh, not feel like a Friday. Yesterday felt like a Monday to me. It definitely feels like the last day of work of the year. For <laughs> sure. <laughs> um yeah, so the video will be out Wednesday, but the podcast will be up tomorrow. Um So I guess that really only leaves us with one thing to do let's end it like we always do with the peace out pie see you in 2019 that's it